0: Caution! All systems ready.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Lesson Ten, the Small Gang Podcast. This is episode 59, and I have with me today CCP Aurora.
0: Hello, hello. Thanks for having me.
1: Always a pleasure to have you here. Um, I know you have had a very busy week because this giant uprising patch just came out, and that's mostly what we're going to be talking about today.
0: Yeah, it's been a very busy week, uh, to say the least. And I'm still busy. There's a lot of follow-up work in like, Oh man, I really wish I had done that
1: kind of polish going on. So. Yeah, I can imagine. It's always, you know, a, a content update kind of thing of this size. I'm sure always has, you know, some immediate fixes, and then some like, this didn't quite make it to round one, but now that the whole game isn't broken for a minute, we can add this in.
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of like secondary priority stuff that we're like trying to secretly slip in as if it had been there all along. Hopefully, the follow-up stuff will be coming. Um, the, in particular, the battlefield site. which Some people, the, the battlefield maybe thirty site that some people were looking at on CC, is gotcha. coming this next week.
2: Oh, PC. excellent!
0: So that's actually on CC again. If people are interested in testing it, very cool.
1: Um, I guess you know we kind of know what you've been up to. Have has there been any time to play Eve mixed in here at all, or
0: over the last week? Yes. Leading up to the expansion, no. my My poor account went from like a pretty nice looking Z-kill to basically looking like I was away from the game. Uh, and in that time, my my corporation folded as well. We were a pretty small group. Real Life hit some of the core members really hard, and so. I'm actually like semi homeless at the moment, uh, kind of poking around with different groups on alts, trying to figure out where I really want to put my name. Um,
1: well, if you wanna if you wanna live in a wormhole, you know.
0: That's what I usually do. <laughs> uh, I was I was thinking maybe I'd go back to Exit Strategy, who we were with before. I had a lot of fun doing blops with them, um, but the time zone thing is kind of tricky since they're on the opposite side of the planet. Um, I don't yeah, that's
2: possible.
1: tough. Yeah, we occasionally get people who are interested in joining our corp who are just, like, fully EU time zone or, you know, stuff like that. And, like, most of our corp is either Australian or West Coast U.S.
0: Honestly, I've had some of the most fun with the Australian corps. They're, they, there's something about, like, the way that they take engagements in the game that's just really kind of different from the rest of the game. I guess they kind of know that, like... With the exception of frat, the giant hammer rarely shows up. And so, so when they see some ships on grid, like those are usually the ships that are going to be there when they when they engage.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting how much different time zones. I play kind of differently when I'm playing in even EU versus US time zones.
0: Yeah, just depending on who you're
1: around, because you know, they they react very differently.
0: Yeah, the the cultural differences, even just EU to US, can be interesting. Sometimes you really feel that shift later on in the evening.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I've I my 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 Z-kill page is also looking a little a little wrecked because I'm still working a lot, and the time that I'm not working, I've been spending in AT practice pretty much.
0: Ah, uh, yes, which is this weekend.
1: Yeah, tomorrow even
0: tomorrow even quite quite crazy timing i think when we realized what the timing was lining up we were all like oh no uh, because i was working on that big balance path and we couldn't talk about it and then we looked at the at time and we were like oh god they're gonna hate us
1: yeah there's definitely been a little a little angst about that but i think i don't know i think it'll be okay in the end
0: yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think it will be a, a good tournament it's shaping up to look really good.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: There's there's I think having this this these number of changes come in just prior to the tournament really kind of probably favors the really experienced teams a little bit more because they're more able to adjust and they've got, you know, experience from past metas and they're like, ah, oh, this is kind of how we anticipate this playing out. some of the newer teams might struggle a bit more
1: yeah i think that's possible especially you know with the scripted ewar change as well was already a bit of a curveball for teams who've never seen that before
0: yeah i wasn't involved in making the rule set but when i saw that one uh, this year i was like oh man this is going to be a big meta shift
1: yeah for sure um speaking of at things since we're already talking about it the alliance tournament prize blog just like half an hour ago came out
0: containing the best ships you've ever seen <laughs> I,
1: i'm i'm not gonna <laughs> lie my first thought when i looked at those ship names was ikea
0: so my first thought when i saw those those ship names and i had been kind of on the side of like pushing against these uh, internally, I was like, nah, we can't We can't use the ship names. Uh, because they sound like, to me, and I offer no meaningful explanation for this, they sound like old Polish women. Uh, huh. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, is this is this really the name we're going with? Uh, until it was pointed out to me, like, Polish women with missile launchers is about the coolest thing you could possibly imagine. I was like, you know what? I'm sold. Go, All right. go with it. All right. Order.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah yeah, and there, are you know obviously this isn't the full stats. There's no hit points, no speed, no you know some of those sort of base stat stuff. But the bonuses are really interesting.
0: <laughs> they are very interesting i can I can see why people think I made these ones after the whole Modon Navy issue thing. Uh, what would be stasis fire
1: uh velocity decrease bonuses yeah and it's a huge bonus it's such a huge bonus that it's a massive bonus you know it might mean that with the base if assuming that the stasis web drone velocity bonus is a base velocity bonus and not a micro work drive bonus they might be able to keep up with something they've webbed which would be a A revelation in the use of stasis web drones
0: yeah that was that was my only input Uh, when when this was being discussed i I kind of looked over i was like oh okay like maybe they could use a little bit of extra velocity because i know they're going to have trouble getting on targets and if people can't get them on targets like the ship is going to be not feel like an AT chip so
1: yeah a lot of the the immediate response that I am seeing around Discord and places is, you know, kind of, like, these don't seem nearly as tuned in terms of damage output and stuff as last year's ships. No,
0: last year's ships were absolutely broken, though. They were slightly stronger than they should have been on several levels, I think. I mean, it's it's great. Yeah, that but people use them. People, people take yeah. them out, you know? And they're dying, which is good to see. If they weren't dying, that would be deeply problematic. Uh, but, yes. Yeah, these, these are definitely very interesting. Um, I think, you know, I think they're trying to to find the line between being, like, maybe not quite as broken just due to the number that we're giving out uh, as they were last year. Because last year is basically, like, a small gangers dream. <laughs> they, yes. They literally everything
1: yes they absolutely were but even you know even relative to like you know like a Munin versus a Bestla, we obviously we don't know how fast it is and you know where it's um hit point stats are and stuff like that but you know just looking at the damage it's not huge you know not a huge amount more damage and the web drones is a cool idea, um, but I don't know that I would want to fly an AT ship that can be turned into a munin by one smart bomb.
0: They do, have, uh, at least the on the Basler they have a, a drone hit point bonus. It looks like that is not on Gary if I'm reading this correctly. Uh,
2: so maybe yeah. one smart
0: bomb might not. Totally defending the best left, but I can I mean, understand that hesitancy. <laughs>
1: the, the problem with the percentile multiplier is that the base hit points on Eward drones is already really low. Yeah, it's
0: pretty low.
1: So um, I guess we'll see. Do you think there's going to be an another iteration of these prior to release? Or do you think this is this
0: one's something really that's. In my hands, uh, and I'm not. Super itching to, to grab them from from the people who are working. Of them. course. But, uh, in this case, I have no idea. All right.
1: Well, I guess we'll. Uh, I guess we'll see.
0: We will see for certain. That yeah, it's it's kind of hard to judge them before they see the base stats. Like if these things are super fast or something, then that might change the math a little bit.
1: Yes. Yeah. Of course. If they're you know have some crazy. Capacitor regen and can just run dual reps all the time or something like, who knows. But um, so far the reaction seems to be lukewarm.
0: It's it's partly the, the web of hydrogen reaction in general. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw a lot of this with the the uh, the Corps Navy where people were like, "Really, like that's worthless," and other people were like, "No, it's actually it's actually good." Um, and we're just gonna keep giving stronger and stronger web bonuses on every every ship that we create until eventually you guys will admit that web drones are strong. Uh,
1: yeah pro pro kidding. tip, uh, things that affect drone optimal range affect the range of those webs.
0: yes, that that would be a sensible thing to perhaps include in there as well.
1: So get a omnidirectional tracking computer in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll see where that ends up. Um, mm-hmm. The AT, I'm just gonna continue to pretend that it's not tomorrow because that's too stressful to think about. Uprising, how how's it going? How's like does, does are is people's response close to your expectations? Are people engaging?
0: Oh man, I. I basically put a block in my mind I, I didn't want to think about people's expectations too much because i had very high expectations for myself like, my i you know it could always be better sort of thing sure um i think that the the response that we're seeing is really quite positive and that's really nice for us to see um especially after you know putting in a, a fair bit of work and yeah. we're seeing it i mean it's the response is positive, the the numbers online, um, like our metrics internally are looking fantastic, like the number of PvP kills in Faction Warfare space has just exploded. So initial reception looking great, so it's awesome. really nice to see all of the extra activity is generated.
1: It's, you know, this is the, it has prompted me to seriously consider getting a character to put in Faction Warfare, which I have never done before, <laughs> so.
0: I, I put one of my prior scanning alts into faction warfare, um, release day. and I've just been kind of boating around in a comet, and it's been quite fun. I'm I'm about even on kills, which is not amazing, but I'm not playing well. anything particularly brave either.
1: Yeah, that'll happen. So in terms of like what has actually happened, you've changed the plexes. There's now three different types of plexes. is that correct
0: um, <laughs> i mean technically there's 58 different that I've been editing.
1: <laughs> wow okay but i mean like navy versus advanced versus
0: just navy and advanced okay cool so, um we we took the prior paradigm and we just kind of cut it in half um, one half being the original version which is the advanced as we're calling them now and one half being the New version, which is the navy version, which do not allow any T2 or what we're classifying as pirate faction ships inside. So the only thing that a navy dungeon will allow in is a empire navy faction ship or a tech one ship.
1: Gotcha. And so that's a a cool. new kind of meta battlefield to engage in. There, no uh, no surprise curses waiting for you inside.
0: No surprise curses, no worms dominating T1 frigates, no Kikimoris like coming in to kite you out and kill you in a medium. Uh, gotcha. So far, the response to this seems to be pretty good. I've definitely been having fun with it because if someone's jumping into me, like I only really care about the numbers and more than I care about the like the ship type. So it's a lot more rare if I'm sitting in a Navy uh, scout complex, for example, and someone comes to the gate. Like I know it's probably reasonably engageable. Whereas if I saw like a worm come to the gate, I'd be like, nah, and just leave before.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. There's been some some conversation um, about allowing you know, it feels it feels a little out of whack that like a retribution can't go into a navy large. Have you had any thoughts about Incorporating ship size into these parameters at all? Or is it just, I mean, I know it's simpler, of course, for everyone to just do, you know, T2 or not T2.
0: Yeah. Uh, We could. I think it's that complicates the paradigm a little bit. Like the mental structure is certainly a thing that the average veteran can achieve, but we're already kind of pushing the limits of, like, wait, why can't I enter this complex? So I kind of like the, the idea of keeping it simple. Um, the other part of this is that it's an experiment. I really want to see what happens when we have sites where you don't have t 2 logic available to you. Um, and that's a really big factor in some of these. So not having the t 2 logic available in the, in the uh, Navy complexes um, when you can still make use of it in the advanced complexes kind of, it's mostly just there to be an interesting twist makes people think a little bit more. Um, yeah. And I want to watch how it, how it evolves. Uh, my thoughts around this are very much that these sort of restrictions, which are, are meta-shifting, don't need to be permanent. So the previous faction warfare paradigm existed for a very long time with relatively small changes. Uh, maybe you know a spawn rate or the, the open was introduced or was, was the the open existed, and then the large has introduced something like that in 2019? Um, yeah. And it's really nice to just kind of shake it, so to speak. So you know, I don't know. maybe we'll have a, a complex that allows pirates and not T2 in the future, or something like that. Um, anything's kind of a possibility, and having the meta be something that's mobile that people need to think about and adapt to every now and then. Is really good. So, what we have today is not necessarily what will always be. Some of it's experimental. Like I'm trying to see if if a meta evolves around the the large navies that people actually really like, or if it remains just kind of a a thorn. In which case, like a few months from now or so, or next year or so, we can shake up the meta again by sorting out some of the gate access restrictions.
1: That makes sense, and it's worth noting. I think that you know, the Navy restriction also disallows the nester, right? Yes. Because technically Sisters of Eve ships are categorized as pirate, and, and apparently so are well. Triglavians. Mm-hmm. No Meshex, Praxises, or nesters in the
0: large piece
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Especially, you know, I don't, I don't really think of the Praxis as a ship that changes the meta a lot, but I suppose it can be.
0: It was mostly there just to keep the rules <laughs> straightforward uh, as the reason that it's on the exclusion list. Um, yeah. But part of the goal here is to, too, is like, can we make a large plex that is a little bit more capped in terms of investment? Uh, and would that generate more fights? So are we going to see people more willing to to put T-1 battleships, and Navy battleships into one of those uh, versus putting a much more expensive... Uh, Marauder or something like that into a an advanced
1: one. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. Um I know a lot of the this metric tracking stuff happens internally, but I'm sure a lot of people would be interested to see some of them, you know, maybe like at six months if you did a I don't know, not a instead of an economic report, a like faction war destruction report. I think that would be super cool.
0: That would be super cool. Um, I would love to do that actually. Uh, Some of what you're seeing as well in terms of the complex design, just a a little bit of insight here is that like the spawn rates and the types of complexes are relatively tuned to what we were seeing on Tranquility prior to this change. So these were the ships The, the restrictions here relatively mimic the the ships we were seeing most commonly in on Tranquility already, so I was trying to, you know, it was, there was a case where Tech 2, anything like Tech 2 Cruiser larger was actually really quite rare, and so those those bonds have been pulled down a little bit, and I'm, what I'm trying to watch for is, you know, what is the, what are people willing to bring? Uh, I know Battleship prices are a little bit high at the moment, so that might be a little bit wonky, but. It's just kind of like playing with the the space, trying to shape it a little bit and see, you know, can we encourage more fights if we do do this, for example?
1: Yeah. And that's always, you know, the end goal is more fighting in the warfare zone,
0: and right now it's looking fantastic. Just yesterday, we had the uh, the record number of kills in faction warfare.. Uh, normalized by account so like per player or uh, normalized by like login minute in the eve online so per player like there was the most destruction in faction warfare yesterday just in terms of generalized activity than we've had ever it looks like
1: wow that's pretty cool
0: yeah really really great numbers to see out at the gate yeah so
1: part of part of what's driving some of this i think is these mechanics changes the and the biggest one I think is this you know aside from the the ship restrictions on the plexes the biggest change is this frontline system which changes how you get LP f- rewards from running these sites mm-hmm. and it's designed to push people to the frontline system so that people are concentrated in the same spaces and not just running plexes in isolation and random systems is that working?
0: It does appear to be working uh, It seems to be working pretty well, too. So those rear guard systems, the ones like kind of away from the fight, they don't really have meaningful rewards. They don't have good spawns. And we're seeing quite a bit of activity in those frontline systems. As a matter of fact, if you pull up in Dotland right now and you take a look at the Calgal War Zone, for example, um, just look at the hotspots, the systems that are kind of showing red right now. Um, if you were to cross-reference that to the in game map of frontline systems, uh, they would about match.
1: Gotcha. Well, awesome. The new map also, the like faction war map, looks super cool.
0: It really is. We we really wanted to, we wanted to have a map that was good enough to compete with DATLAN, so to speak. I think <laughs> yeah. we, we oh. actually got it
1: yeah, it's just at least for faction warfare. i as as not a faction warfare member, I haven't really delved deep into it, but just the the visuals of it are really good. like it looks really cool.
0: It's fantastic. There's a lot of love put into that by uh, one of the UI designers on my team, um, and he did he did a great job as, as did uh, or UI engineers, uh, as well as the UI designers. Um, it's, yeah. it's a beautiful looking map. Uh, it's there's there's a lot of effort that goes into something like that. It's a little bit hard to scale up. Uh, originally, we had wanted to do we had done some experimentation where he was trying to use Voronoi dig- diagrams, which are like uh, effectively like self creating polygons. So it would okay. kind of do that that area shading on its own uh, and adjust as the systems were placed, but that. Turned out to be rather difficult due to the way that some of those algorithms worked. So that didn't quite work out. So a lot of what you're seeing in that map is actually handcrafted.
1: Interesting. Well, it looks great. It really I think it does a really good job of immediately communicating front line, second line, back line, and just the general sort of progress of each side, you can see, you know just all the, you know, I like, I like the way it focuses in on the faction war compared to the regular map, which doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, you can look at faction warfare activity on that map, but it doesn't isolate it in the same way.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's not, a, it's not quite as, as useful. Whereas this one, it's, it's surprisingly impactful. Like it, maybe not surprisingly to everybody, but I think to some would find it surprisingly impactful, just how important it is to be able to, Log into the game. Say, I want to participate in faction warfare and not have to go open the third party to figure out where you want to go.
1: Yeah, right. You just be like, oh yeah, that's this is the front line. That's the spot.
0: Yeah, this is the front line. Oh, like this system's getting flexed up by my faction. Like, let me go help them over there.
1: Yeah. How is it? Um, how is it looking in terms of systems changing hands? Is that happening as fast as you expected? Slower? More often?
0: Definitely slower. However, some of the slowness was by design. So we slowed it down a little bit for two reasons. We wanted to give the advantage system, which I imagine we'll chat about in a minute, a little bit more room to play with the capture speed. And we wanted to just kind of in general, we didn't want systems to flip within a day. Uh, So this is. Closer to the the two day mark, although it kind of depends on your your advantage. If if you manage to get 100% advantage over your opponent, then it might still only take about 24 hours. If you're having this really incredible push, um, some of that is still being monitored. Uh, we I'm kind of gently watching the more zone and watching the, the discussions in the militia militia chats, and sure. just trying to get it to gauge like how does this feel? Uh, and part of the reason that you know, this, this really matters as well. It's because of the new docking restrictions in faction warfare space. So if this is going really fast and people are really rapidly losing access because the frontline got pushed and they lost access to their citadel or something like that, uh, you know, there's probably a, a rate which is too fast in there. But at the same time, if it feels like the war zone is too static and individual contributions aren't doing enough, then, uh, you know, we might need to bump up the speed.
1: Sure, Yeah.
0: The numbers for everything were retuned. So instead of being 3,000 victory points in order to capture a system, it's now 75,000. Number still subject to change, as I kind of keep an eye on the war zone. Uh, But each plex also rewards quite a bit more victory points uh, as well. So previously, it was uh, 20 victory points for every plex, regardless of size. Now each one has a different amount of victory points, um, with larger plexes giving more progress
1: gotcha is there a difference between navy and advanced
0: uh in terms of capture capturing let in me terms of we'll points. yeah uh so a small advanced is 80 whereas a novice uh where a small navy is 60 so yes there's about a 20 okay. percent increase
1: so advanced is a little more valuable yes okay that's cool yeah it makes sense that you know, you want people to have some reaction time to to do their logistics and not just lose access to. Um, you know, surprise not not lose access in a surprising way, I guess.
0: Yeah, you want them to see You it to coming. see
1: it coming. Maybe they can stop it. Maybe they can't. But I agree, of course. You know, you don't want half the war zone swinging every day. Mm-hmm. But it does. You know, want to feel like it's you're doing something
0: yeah, you want it to feel impactful. like we want we want these these system changes to feel like really weighty and important. And so, for our purposes, a somewhat slower turnover speed uh, compared to other things is is good. So, and for example, Albion Online, where the the turnover rate you can basically like flip the war zone in an hour, uh, here it's it's quite a bit more more impactful, just in general to the population,
1: yeah that makes sense and you mentioned advantage a minute ago so the advantage mechanic is a new thing that affects it gives you like a bonus to those victory points generated right yes and there's a couple ways to do that mainly these propaganda structures and then some certain kinds of sites
0: uh, yep. So there are these rendezvous points which are spawning in system where you can go assault uh, the enemy forces. And if you you know crush their forces in battle, then you, you'll gain some advantage. You can put up propaganda beacons. So the propaganda beacons require uh, components from exploration sites. Uh, they're called the uh, command, not command operations, operation centers right. in the enemy rearguard system, so you can basically go steal data from them and then use that to create propaganda beacons and listening posts. Okay. And those propaganda beacons will add points to your score, and listening posts will remove points from your enemy score. So both gotcha. are valuable, depending on kind of where you want to push the
1: numbers. And do those directly affect the victory point totals, or do they affect the victory points you get from plexes?
0: They affect. The advantage point total, which the advantage then, point total? Yeah, which then in turn gives a bonus to the side which has the most advantage. So, for example, let's say that Amar has a fifty percent bonus in the system, or fifty percent of the pool in the system, and then Minvatar uh, has zero percent. Amar would have a fifty percent bonus, and then sure. for every plex they capture, they would get fifty percent additional victory points uh, for each of those complexes.
1: Gotcha, and it's kind of the difference. So, like, if Amar had fifty and Minmatar had thirty, Amar would get a twenty percent bonus.
2: Correct.
1: Cool. I like that. That you know, going into the backline systems and doing exploration sites is kind of as a separate subsystem of this to generate these things to take to the front line.
0: That was generally the the goal with the advantage system overall. We wanted a way for Various new types of gameplay to impact the war zone, where they, where it would have felt awkward to just give them a victory point bonus. Um, it it kind of would feel a little bit strange if you're, you know, instead of capturing something or or winning a fight, if you won system control by like delivering a package. Uh, so that's kind of the the thing that we were we were playing with there. Um, and, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of numbers to tune here, so getting it to feel just right is still an ongoing process. Uh, yes. But the whole goal was that the adventure system is a platform for us to add a bunch of new and interesting content to the war zone and, in a way, complicate the the mathematics of how people interact with the war zone. So because it's a nonlinear relationship between the two, uh, players are are going to want to try and push for advantage and there's not a a perfect solution about you know uh so this is the optimal way to win a system um there might be fights where they're like oh we're going to pull down our opponent's advantage with some listening posts and blow up their supply depots and hopefully that'll give us an opening for this push that we're going to do on saturday or something along those lines
1: yeah that makes sense it's nice when there's there's sort of multiple multiple ways around to an objective. It gives people some, some things to explore and some, you know, maybe you don't have quite as many combat pilots, but if you have a really dedicated exploration wing just generating a ton of these propaganda structures, you know, it doesn't matter that you don't have as many pilots because your pilots are generating more victory points.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, it gives people kind of a new lever to play with. Uh, and it will be interesting to see how the the meta of attempting to capture a system changes over time.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I'm actually really curious to see, you know, over time as they sort of enter the market in a more more fleshed out way, how the, uh, the Navy exploration frigates show up in these sites. Yeah, me or too. Or show up to defend these sites or, you know. What people do with them?
0: Yeah, I I'm quite happy with this Navy exploration frigate. So I I still need to get a, a new one for to go play around with myself.
1: Yeah, I I have not flown one yet. One of my court mates was uh, been using a Navy Heron as a combat prober and tackle frigate for our Nulsec adventures, which uh, has been working shockingly well.
0: Excellent, that was, yeah. that was just the use case I had in mind for them. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> and I actually, uh, on Imminent Entropy's trivia stream, won a Navy Heron, so I'm going to do something with it at some point.
0: Oh, very nice. Um, the The prices will probably drop quite a bit. We've adjusted the uh, amount of LP that you need to get the blueprints, as well as the material inputs for a lot of these. I so saw that. It'll probably be relatively affordable.
1: Yeah, which, you know, they're, they're Navy frigates that shouldn't cost 600000000 million-esque. Though I think that yes. the pricing where they were at was just because they were sort of soft release through those events, and that made the supply extremely limited.
0: Yeah, the the prices were silly, but I think that sort of pre-release event, which makes them feel really special and unique for a while, is really nice, actually. I was quite happy with how that event looked in terms of all of the interest it generated and... You'd get you'd get a navy frigate dying and people would be posting it on ZQ, like, oh my gosh, look how expensive this was.
1: Yep. One of one of my courtmates mates set out to to be the number one Navy cyclone pilot. So we'll see how how well that goes. But he bought one of the the early ones that was on the market and has been flying it around.
0: It has some terrifying DPS, so I'm sure Yeah. <laughs> <So> it'll <laughs> yes. be probably quite effective.
1: Speaking of things that could shake up an AT meta.
0: Yes, <laughs> polarized, second
1: free dishes. I, you know, just especially with the um, the AT rules this year include this sort of stacking penalty, where if you bring the same hull more than once, it costs more. So having more good shield rush ships would be quite uh, quite a thing. But they're not allowed because. They came out three days before the AT. It was
0: all right, so I mean, you might hate me for saying this, uh, and call, like calmer heads prevailed. But I was like, "Nah, you should just let them fly them. Like every new ship that comes out, just yeah, they're part that They're in the rule set. They already have points. Just yeah, go it's fine. for it. <laughs> it would, have been would be. It would have been fantastic,
1: though. There's already a little bit. With some of the balance changes for ships that yeah. do indeed have points costs, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, um, I,
0: I have I have mixed feelings on this. Part of me is like kind of entertaining, finds it a little bit entertaining that that this is so stressful. Um, but that part of me is kind of mean.
1: <laughs> well, you know, there's there's only so much sympathy you could have for someone who's like fully raging out in Discord. This is true. So. Are you seeing a lot of people using these advantage structures before we move on? Like are those explo sites and the propaganda structures and stuff, are they seeing TQ?
0: Yep, they're getting a pretty good use. I actually have a dashboard here. I can look at exactly how many are dying at any given point in time. Uh, And it looks like basically every, every 20 minutes, some objective is getting completed at the very least. Uh, a lot of them are like supply depots that are getting killed. Uh, a lot of them are rally points that are getting
1: run. Not navy points, not rally points. Cool. Well, that's excellent. And this patch, you know, before we even get into the ship rebalance, there's a a whole bunch of other changes and fixes and things that came out at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's this new hangar in citadels, which is. Mainly a graphics change and an audio change,
0: which looks fantastic.
1: It looks super cool. Um, if we could get a volume slider for the audio of it, that would be that'd be rad.
0: <laughs> there it
1: it's it's uh it stands out among sound effects for its its current volume.
0: It is quite bad. There is a I mean, you can toggle the audio off in the station, but having a separate slider for it
1: would probably be pretty useful. Yeah, just to, you know, like, I actually like, I, I'm the the one single person on Earth who plays Eve with the sound on, and I like a lot of the audio in Eve, but I also really like being able to balance the parts that I, you know, which parts, you know, I like hearing Jita announcements, but I, I don't really want them to be loud.
0: <laughs> Understandable. Uh, I tend to play with audio on as well, um, usually usually classic music because I'm just
1: like vibing to blow the asteroids or something. Yeah, and are are you involved with all these quality of life changes? Like, so just to run through this list here, mm-hmm. watch list is longer. You get more saved fittings. There's alliance level saved fittings as well as corp level saved fittings now. You can jump clone without loo- leaving your ship, which is. Cool, saves you a session change timer. Um, is that you, your team, I guess? You know, I, I say you, but I know that you're not actually manually doing every part of every one of these things.
0: Yeah, no, no, and this, this isn't me, and I, I can't really claim any credit for this. Uh, a lot of this is CCP Carter, so she's done the, the little things updates for some time, and she bundled mm-hmm. up a, a nice batch for this release as well. Uh, my only involvement was uh, every now and then when one of the things might be gameplay impacting. She would she would come message me like, "Oh, you know, would you would you be alright to okay this?" Um, yeah. For example, the the fleet uh, increase, the increase in or the watch list increase. Yeah. Um, we had a brief discussion where she was like, "Will players will players use this? Would this be too big a gameplay impact?" And I was like, "No, this is great. they'll love it." Uh, yeah. and that was about the entirety of my, my input.
1: Yeah. And the you know, the watch list impact, it doesn't really affect your gameplay, but it definitely feels like a quality of life thing where you're not like, I gotta pick these fifteen people to go on my watch list and everyone else, good luck, kind of a thing.
0: Yeah. It, especially with like mid sized weights. Um, if you're if your really is too large, like you're not gonna fit it on your screen anyway. So
1: Right. At that point, you're just reading broadcasts.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's it's really nice for mid-sized fleets in particular, because you can just right-click the squad, be like, add everybody to my watch list, and then you don't really have to worry about it. It definitely is probably going to improve logic responsiveness in fleets for mid-scale conflicts, but
1: I don't particularly yeah, see that as an issue. I think that's probably fine. I think... You know, the people who are who are really paying attention to watch lists are also paying attention to broadcasts, and I don't think it's gonna make a a massive difference, but it will it will save some people who don't broadcast.
0: I admit I'm usually pretty bad about broadcasting. Uh I I do it a little bit too late and I, I'm like the only person that dies on the freak sometimes. So it might save me.
1: Well, see for the best then. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. Uh, I hope I'm not getting someone in trouble by pointing this out, but the Thunderdome server that's used for Alliance tournament practice was mm-hmm. updated to some version of CC uh, last week, so that the you know the ship rebalance would be available to Alliance tournament teams practicing. But okay. I also noticed that in the the experimental you know test features page on Thunderdome, you can turn on the multiple overview window beta. When is okay. that coming <laughs> to TQ? Uh,
0: I I did not know cool that shit. was a that was a thing in there. Um, I think it is highly experimental and you probably won't see it for a little while if if it doesn't need to make it through through okay. development. But if it's on if it's on Thunderdome then you can see it on singularity as well.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I don't. You know, like I said, I don't know uh, anything about it except that it didn't immediately crash my client when I turned it on, and the use cases I can think of for that are huge, enormous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just so many.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Having having a, your standard overview open, but then also like a Selected targets for like priority things or having your standard overview open and then a list of warpouts.
1: Yeah, warpouts, a list of like high alert ships. Like I always want to know when a Varger warps on grid. So maybe I'll have a little window open that only shows Vargers. Yep.
0: Or a Hugen or a Rapeer Or Hugen,
1: or, or you know, in a fleet context, maybe you have command destroyers on there because you're worried about getting booshed, stuff like that. So I think everyone will like that. Uh, whenever we can have it.
0: Yes, I have no idea about the uh, where that's coming from exactly, but it would be very dope. So I would look forward to that as well.
1: Yeah, very cool. All right, so some of the other things that came with this patch, we had the security status update, um, which kind of comes in two flavors. One is the abyssal PVE filament changes, which move uh restricts what systems you can use those filaments in, specifically mm. not JITA anymore, um, but also depending on which filament you want to use, the higher tiers now cause suspect flags in higher security systems.
0: Yes, kind of pushing people out to, to lower security systems.
1: Yeah, and no, none of it actually pushes you into low sec per se because you can still run them in 0.5 without mm-hmm. excuse me without being suspect. But I think it will increase the amount of you know people moving loot around, moving ships around. Because you you know, the the paradigm at the moment is pretty much just you run them at a safe injida and then warp immediately to the trade hub and that's your entire interaction with the universe.
0: Yeah pretty happy with that from the from the perspective of the increasing mobility so I think many changes which encourage people to to kind of spend more time moving around and moving goods is really generally quite good for the game um, it also this is also going to have the the on effect that uh, especially if you're running in a 0.5 concord response times are going to be much larger than they would otherwise so it's definitely going to make people think twice and probably have like somebody watching their exits and all of that sort of thing uh, in some of these systems, so it does add a fair bit of overhead,
1: yeah, yeah, and it just you know just the the travel back and forth with the loot and everything. I think it's a good change. Um, I wouldn't be mad if the top tier. Caused you to become a suspect everywhere in high-sec. but this definitely feels a little more risk-reward balanced than it was.
0: Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of. It's, this is the the level of thing where you for at, at first glance you're like, oh, it's not even making them leave HiSec. Like, what what will this really do? But when you start to really dig into the knock-on effects, it's kind of like a a very gentle way to add in some additional. Risk reward uh, balancing without being super hardline.
1: Yeah, and you don't, you know, just like you can't do abyssal filaments in high sec is not, <laughs> you know, it's also like too far the other direction.
0: <laughs> that would be too far the other direction. Uh, abyssal filaments are pretty cool content. We don't really want to lock people out of them like that. So yeah.
1: Okay, and the other part of this security status thing is if you are an outlaw which i believe is defined as negative five security status or lower you can no longer tether in highsec at all anywhere in highsec mm-hmm. and you can no longer dock in any structure citadel or anything in highsec unless you're in a pod
0: and you need to be omega to have access to red safety in high sec, if
1: I remember it. Correctly. Yes, right. Alpha Alpha clones can no longer set their safety red in high sec, though I think they can in low sec. So I'm a little curious about what happens if you set it red and then fly to high sec. I think
0: it, it will it automatically like force... it after, At least that's what it's supposed to
1: do. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. It just forces you out of that. And from yeah, the the wording on the announcements about it, it sounds like this is these are all focused on uh, sort of increased penalties for high-sec ganking.
0: Yes. I, I I don't have much more information or insight on this than you do, uh, but my understanding is this is very much... These these changes are primarily geared at making gankers actually kind of care about their security status, for one. So right now, mm-hmm. you can use an alpha-alt, uh, gank people with a catalyst, and then you just bail on the alt to make a new alpha uh, if you don't actually care that much. So this will have people actually need to buy tags in order to, to right. You'll have you'll have to
1: use omega accounts exactly. Yeah, and you'll have to. You won't be able to sit on tether near a gate and just fleet warp down and mass. There'll be a, a brief period where you have to deal with the faction police because at the, at the previous system tether would protect you from faction police and other retribution
0: yeah i i I wasn't a fan of uh that kind of in the beginning uh with tether protecting you uh from the faction police it felt very awkward um this that part of this feels relatively good to me i think in terms of the 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 targeted impact on gankers this seems reasonably well thought out uh, so far that i've seen
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought. Um, obviously, you know, as we've seen on on Reddit and things, people have a lot of feelings about ganking, and
0: it's a very touchy one. Honestly, I'm I'm really impressed that these changes seem to have. This is such a dangerous thing for us to bring up. Like, <laughs> if we were to just be like, "Yeah, ganking and high sex not a thing anymore," the community would explode. Yes. And so the fact that they've managed to to breach this and find a solution that is relatively satisfying to the community um, while still accomplishing you know, what they were after. Uh, I, I got to give props to the team for, for pulling that off because I would be pretty nervous uh, putting out any changes relating to gaming.
1: Yeah, it is definitely a touchy subject. And people definitely have a lot of feelings about it. And it's it's tricky to 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 make it more difficult without making it like totally not worthwhile even if you don't just block it completely.
0: Yeah, and and separating out what what we've kind of classified as the good gangst versus the the griefing is really tricky sure. as well. So finding ways to deal with that mechanically is quite a trick. Um, right. But but making it so that the security steps impact um and having to use Omega accounts so that you, you know, if, it actually kind of costs you if you're just going around blapping retrievers and belts.
1: Because sure. If you're just like do casually doing it for fun, then that's fine as long as you're willing to pay for it, you know, in in these security tags and, and having an omega account, but making it at least be, you know, something that you're invested in doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I read that, my my concern about it was that the docking restriction um, seems like it is a little bit punitive to people who like to go third party in low sec, but who aren't suicide gangers.
0: Yeah, that that one is it definitely does hit them, um, and I've been that person for quite a while as well. I I would often go third party in in faction warfare space. That said, I hated it when the, the faction police were on me anyway, so I would always buy tags uh, at the <laughs> end of my killing spree. Uh, so at least for me, you know, you can, I, I would just go buy tags and and it was all bad. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to deal with that, I, I often need to move around high tech. Uh, so in some ways, you know, I don't want to be like it, just buy tags. It's a legitimate concern. I think, you know, we're kind of reevaluating the impact of low sec PVP and security status, we want to, it's probably a good a good moment for us to take a look at what is the, the reasoning behind a sec status hit in low sec? What are we really trying to accomplish? Uh, and just kind of evaluate that a little bit. Um, in terms of it being low security, which is not like no security, I think in a, in a way it still accomplishes what its original intention was, which is to make the safe, make the space not totally dangerous. You know, there's a thought that you need to give before you kill someone uh, about what the penalties might be and the cost involved. Um, yeah. That said, it's it's usually not meaningful enough to stop anyone from killing you. So I know it's never stopped me to be like, oh, I'm gonna have to find a right. hat to fix it, something. No, I'm "Not gonna show." Right.
1: That. Yeah. Well, it just you know, I guess the should 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 we want people to not kill people in low sec i guess no no question. i mean obviously you we know?
0: really want people to kill people uh, um
1: this particularly is something that i i was thinking about when i read these patch notes because i have a bunch of courtmates mates who like to kind of day trip in low sec and some of them are totally willing to just put up with faction police because they'll just fly around and just dock up and not worry about it um and i think if the the docking restriction thing is going to affect some of them to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, on the other hand, it isn't terribly expensive or, or difficult to stay above minus five. So no,
0: as long as you don't let yourself drip, drop too low, it's relatively affordable to just kind of do the do the general maintenance. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on the price of tags more now than we than we have in the past because it'll be a bit more important.
1: Yes, I guess that'll probably uh increase their value somewhat
0: probably quite a bit more demand um, that said there might also be more tag hunting activity as well
1: yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out um and i think you know i don't i don't have any particular horse in the ganking versus no ganking drama um i don't do it i don't find myself a victim of it generally speaking. But Mm -hmm. people have a lot of feelings, so I guess we'll we'll see how this kind of shakes out.
0: This is a tricky one. I'm not sure they could achieve the same impact without the docking restrictions. Uh, So I think it's yeah. I think it's something to just kind of watch and see how it develops at this point.
1: I I'm kind of curious about that actually because I don't think of suicide gangers as people who dock back up in their ships very often.
0: No, that's true. I mean, a lot of the time they're they're sitting on tether or something and they're they're watching for a preco or to right. gate in a thrasher.
1: Yeah. And if they you know, as soon as they trigger Concord, the ship dies and they can just dock back up in the pod. Mm-hmm. All right. And then the other big element um, that I think came in with uprising is this paragon system. Which is yes. uh, you know, as usual, the Eve art team is making everything look amazing all the time, and they have now enabled us to put Corp and alliance uh, emblems on ships,
0: yes, the much asked for feature of
1: alliance logos on ships has yeah, arrived with this yes, one. it's um right now not. It's like limited by hull types at the moment because they just like I guess they're just working down the list or whatever.
0: Yeah, they need to go through each ship and modify them to be like, all right, this is where we want to display the emblem. Uh, so there's a, a bit of labor involved on our side because they have to go and every edit every ship in the game to, to kind of include the emblem locations.
1: Right. And there's you know, there's like a few ships in Eve these days.
0: There's a few. And I just added 16
1: more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did they come in with this built in?
0: I think all of the new ships got it, but don't quote me on that.
1: Okay. Cool. And it's, you know, you, there's a new currency basically in the game that you use to buy these emblems and you get it by doing uh, missions for these, these new mission hander outers. Mm-hmm. Um, which mostly seems to be delivering ship hulls to them.
0: Yes. They, they seem to just be eating up ship hulls and giving you stickers.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, at one point I had heard uh, that this was going to be maybe it was at FanFest it was talked about that this was going to be the source of ship hulls that are sold in the like store packs that include ship hulls so that it doesn't to to you know sort of include those packs in the in-game market for hulls is that accurate?
0: Uh, that's Understanding of the feature. Um, once again, this is more like the monetization team than me. Uh, but the my my rough understanding of this is that uh, as kind of a response to the the previous ship pack offerings where we were not. We're we're kind of just magicing ships out of thin air. Um, these mm-hmm. are partially like the the reason that they're asking for ships to turn in is to to offset that. So economically, we're not adding materials or or labor to the game. Uh, in general, this is expected to pull in many more holes than are being sold in those packs. Sure. And so in effect, it's it's tying that part of of the monetization strategy into the in-game economy. Gotcha. So
1: it's kind of ensuring, in a way, that that doesn't have an in-game market effect, more or less.
0: It'll probably still have its own in-game market effect, although at this point, I imagine this might be more of a material sink uh, than the other way around. So instead of ships coming in, which uh, are just kind of magically creating minerals, I, I would wager, and I don't have any Numbers to back this up, but I would guess that the Paragon system is going to pull more ships out of the game than come in from yeah. those packs sales. Uh,
1: yeah, that that would be my guess. Also, I suspect a lot more players are going to want icons on their ships than are going to want to buy packs on the market. Though, I actually, you know, I have no idea how what the kind of uptake of those packs is.
0: I do not either, so I can't really speculate too much. But I know that a lot of players are going to want those emblems. Uh, pretty much everyone who flies with the corp will will want them in some form. So yeah, I imagine that the outflow will be pretty big.
1: And I I noticed that there's a corporation wallet level uh, account for these. They're called Evermarks. These these this currency that you use to buy these emblems. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, my understanding is that that is filled by players doing the missions, like the player, the character who turns the mission in, gets some Evermarks, and then a little bit goes into their corp wallet as well.
0: Yes, Um, so the corps can earn them uh, kind of more generally.
1: Right, and then the corp-wide, you can kind of buy emblems for certain halls.
0: I don't know what the corp uh, use case is at this point. Uh, I think it's, I'm not sure there's one in the game. Bear in mind, my understanding of this subject is a little bit rough. Um, But I imagine they'll be adding additional use cases for those corp wallet uh, points in the future as well.
1: Yeah. Well, someone in my corporation has clearly been doing these missions because the corp wallet has (laughs) 5,000 ever marks in it. And I don't know where that that came from. Wasn't me. Uh, Well, I'm always a fan of new Beautiful things in Eve because Eve, you know, despite the fact that we often zoom out to a level where it's a fancy spreadsheet, is actually a very good looking game.
0: It is a very good looking game. Uh, I'm really happy that we managed to get the uh, faction warfare complexes kind of spruced up. If you haven't been in one recently, they have a bunch of new assets inside of them, so they're actually looking pretty good. Uh, And then the new battlefields, when that hits Tranquility later this week, is looking really amazing. Awesome. Uh, I've spent far too much time, kind of like zoomed in, not paying enough attention to scan, just like looking at my ship and the environment and stuff. So, what's
1: what's the difference between the battlefields and the other plexes? That's
0: so the battlefield is like a big grown up plex. So instead of one capture point, there's three. Uh, when you take the gate into the site, you're automatically split up based on your militia status. So if you're in, like Galantian Militia, you'll go to a different warping point when you take the gate than the Kaldarian Militia would. And they'll get put at a different point in the site. And then a third different point for anyone who's neutral. So, okay. everybody kind of gets set up differently. And then in this site, there are multiple capture points. There's three capture points in the current iteration. And each of these is surrounded by fleets of both sides fighting each other. And these enemies are quite a bit tougher. Uh, so. <laughs> It's not something that's easy to solo. It's really meant for
1: uh, like a composed kind of like a group
0: activity. Yeah, and these only spawn once about every two hours per side in Warzone, so that relatively rare. Rare it's a thing that you'll probably see once in a play session, uh, unless you're sticking around a really long time.
1: Gotcha. Very cool. All right. So, and of course, you know that's. A huge amount of changes, um, but in addition to that, we have all these new ships. And I think, you know, going over each of these ships in detail is going to be like a whole episode unto itself.
0: I mean, I have the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Let's see how how into the those weeds we get. Um, okay. Starting at the top, there are navy dreads now.
0: There are newbie dreads now.
1: What um, you know, what was the what was the thought behind that? Like, is there a you know, what's the what's the role you're envisioning for a, a dread plus?
0: The dread plus. So the dreads were added because we wanted with the new ships that we were adding, we wanted something to kind of fit every scale of the game. And in particular for faction warfare players, we wanted something that was uh kind of a a larger goal to to reach for something aspirational Mm -hmm. so the dreads were the target there Um, and with with the dread designs what i was trying to do was make something that stood out a little bit from the the standard dreadnought meta uh, with regarding dread bombs so in the dread meta uh, every the only things that matter are effectively, can you hit your target? How much damage do you have? How much HP do you have? Right. So Moros falls out because it can't hit its target. And everything else is a, is a numbers game. Uh, poor Moros. The poor Moros. <laughs> it's, it's got really bad range, and that's why you'll see the, the range brothers on this new one. It's, it's there because it makes it uh, a little bit more appetizing uh, in some of those those fights. Sure. Um, so what I really wanted with the, the dreadnoughts was kind of one of two things. I wanted something that would be really kind of interesting and bring some additional utility to small scale dread deployments. Uh the sort of thing where it's like it's not necessarily a huge bonus for a giant dread bomb situation, but it makes the ship more interesting for somewhat smaller engagements where you know you're dropping a couple dreads on somebody who's got a dread on your fortizar or whatever who's doing that sort of thing right.
2: um,
0: this means that they've got some extra e bonuses uh, such as the uh, nos bonus um on the revelation or the grapple bonus on the Nagelfar or the paint bonus on the phoenix they've all got like a little extra spice in there that helps them operate at least the thought is helps them operate without a ton of support uh, a lot of these are like application bonuses. Uh, they they help the ship kind of control some of the the ships around them. This right. does mean that they tend to be pretty strong as haw Drugs. Uh
1: That was my first thought when I was looking at these from a from a small gang perspective. Is like, I do not want anything to do with a phoenix, a haw phoenix with a golem target painter on it. Like, it's not a thank golem you. target
0: painter. It's a, it's a vigil target painter.
1: Well. Uh, 7.5%. It's, it's pretty, pretty good.
0: Chasing. Yeah, it is pretty good. It is very good. Uh, I mean, technically, you could always just bring another ship with them uh, to offset a lot of these bonuses. Uh, yeah. The mags bonus, which is kind of unique. But you could bring a Vendee, I guess, or something. Along those lines. Sure,
1: you could. Um, so, but it's definitely uh, an interesting thing. And I think it'll make them mm-hmm. probably kind of the go-to for crab beacons.
0: I think that's, that's true. And that was kind of the other thing I was thinking is it would be kind of fun to make them, uh, to see them really commonly used in craft beacons, partly because they're more expensive than your standard dread. Dreads these days could probably be a little bit cheaper, but even still, they're not the, the most expensive ship in the, world, in the world. And having one that's a little bit higher priced be the go-to yeah. ship for some of that uh, content just seems kind of like a fun situation to me. If we can encourage people to run more content in capitals in space, then that sounds like an absolute win.
1: Yeah, I think everyone everyone would be enthusiastic about that. Um the the visuals on them are are super cool. They all look oh, like beautiful. chunky, you know, kind of beefed up uh versions of the smaller dread. The revelations may be the most subtle, but the the Phoenix and the Moros, Moros looks Brilliant. Are, look amazing. And the new siege animations, where the gun ports like extend out, are
0: super mm-hmm. cool. Ah, they're beautiful looking the the art team really knocked it out of the park with those. Uh, we had We had released the first eight of the new uh, Navy ships kind of earlier on. as like a a teaser with the uh-huh. battle cruisers and the frigates. But those were, you know released too early for us to get art support for them. So it was really cool to be able to release the second set of the dreadnoughts and destroyers, uh, yeah. all with kind of updated models, which really adds a lot of spice to them.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely, you know, as in as much as as Eve players like to decide things based purely on numbers, for those people who are running crab beacons and stuff like. It it I don't I actually think it is motivational to have a ship that looks cool while you're doing it.
0: 100%. I think half the reason that people hate on the Moros is because it looks weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that the Moros looks less weird than the Dominics.
0: The Navy Moros looks amazing, though.
1: The Navy Moros looks like it's going to come take a bite out of you.
0: Okay. It does. It really does. It looks like a
1: an angry bulldog of a ship yes which you know that's more or less what you want from a blaster dread right Mm -hmm. yeah so the moros gets this scram and point strength and range bonus which is interesting um it might give them a little niche with like heavy scrams for tackling super capitals
0: that was my hope with that one yes
1: and then the Phoenix gets a paint bonus. The Nagofar gets a grapple range extension, so grapple has more effective further out. Mm-hmm.
0: That improves its application on um, targets. Uh, yes, pretty, pretty well. Like if you look at the application graph, it doesn't do too bad against the things that it would it would hit, but it definitely smooths the curve that's otherwise yeah. a little bit tough closer up.
1: Yeah, and then um, you know the Revelation has this. This capital NOS range bonus that. Uh, that one's is
0: weird, but also the ship is so strong already that uh, that one is, is kind of very general. It's, it's kind of like having a, an extra cap booster in the high side sort of yeah. thing. So it's just very stable. Like, the idea with that ship is maybe slightly less about the the additional utility it brings because Revelations are already very favored in terms of uh, dread bombs these days. Mm-hmm. And more about just kind of making it feel really sturdy and reliable.
1: Right, like you're not gonna get neutered out and not be able to do anything because something's gonna be in range of this massive NOS.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: So, as an anti capture in particular,
0: that sounds pretty entertaining uh, with the NOS bonus.
1: Yes, it does. And I think um i mean there there are already blood raiders dreadnoughts but now the navy one is a little little bit (laughs) a little bit in that direction though i guess that's the 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 standard differentiation right blood raiders get a mount and amar gets range
0: uh blood raiders also have be very special addition of being able to knock someone down to zero Whereas yes. Amar don't have that, so Amar will stabilize at whatever their current cap level is, so it's very much a I'm shooting other caps and I want this you know I want to be stable on my own cap so I can run rappers better or whatever. Right. I can wrap and else. I can
1: shoot and no one's going to cap me out.
0: Yeah, Whereas it's not so offensive like the blood ranger bonus. Yeah. Cool.
1: So there was some speculation in the less than 10 discord that. Um, making these sort of very effective as haw dreads, especially the Nagalfar and the Phoenix, was like a precursor to nerfing Marauders because they're so <laughs> strong in PVE right now. But I I think that, that probably was not a thought.
0: No, that was that's just pure speculation. I would All love right. to get us to a situation where the navy dreads are like extra interesting for PvE, um, to, as a thing to use over Marauders. Uh, that said, that wasn't really part of the goal here. I just wanted to make them yeah. cool so the people would use
1: them. Yeah, they are cool, and I think you know the the crab sites are a bit tricky to do in Marauders, slash really difficult to do in Marauders. So I don't think that is going to change. But I think where no, you will C5 see these, are... yeah, C five and you know C six ratting is going to maybe go back towards Dreads a little bit with these guys.
0: That would be pretty great. That said, the the price comparison is really the the sticking point here um, with the price of Marauders. It's pretty hard to.
1: True. So well, and the price of Marauders feels a little a little out of sync anyway.
0: Uh, the price of Q2 in general is a little bit lower than I think we'd like. So
1: yes, yeah, I saw about a battle report yesterday or the day before of someone just whelping a whole redone union fleet to see what the hams would do just because they had them and they're like 150 mil fitted
0: yeah that's relatively affordable that was kind of a a really pressing thing on my mind as well when we were looking at the prices of the navy ships i was looking at the price of for example a retribution versus a a standard navy frigate and being like why would anybody use this ship over a retribution given these price points. And that's a really tough thing to deal with because you don't really want to that to factor into the balance, but in some ways, yeah. still needs to be a consideration, but the prices can change. Whereas yes. you don't necessarily want to change, rebalance everything just because prices shift.
1: Sure. Yeah. The prices can shift. And part of the, you know, the recent industry changes is to separate some of those price uh, factors a little bit so that Categories of ships can be rebalanced price wise without affecting everything else. Yeah. 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 But I agree. It feels like all of all T2 ships, you know, are in a place where they're the same price or even cheaper than the pirate equivalents, you know, in their category. And that often feels a little wonky. Yeah.
0: And they're starting to press in on the Navy prices as well. Right. Yeah. But uh, with the Neuralink conduits removed from the Navy ships, those should uh, drop down to where T2 prices quite quite safely at this point. So hopefully oh, those ships yeah. see a bit more used and have a bit more of a niche.
1: Yeah. And now we have um I noticed that you know the note in the patch notes that one of the goals of readjusting the production costs of these various Navy ships was to make it so that buying the blueprint was you know, a reasonable choice relative to trading in a haul, which is the other option, which most people have been doing, I think because of the production costs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We wanted to reward that industrial behavior, uh, so to speak. Like the the people who make things and feel proud of it, they have an equally important place in the game. And so making sure that they weren't just totally cut out of the Navy ship market just seemed like a really obvious choice.
1: Yeah, and it's you know, it makes sense as a trade-off that like you take a little longer, you go through the build cycle, you get it a little cheaper, or you or grab you a hull off right the away. market, you trade it in immediately, you're done, but it's yeah, a little exactly. more expensive. Yeah. So moving down the size scale here, navy battle cruisers, new navy battle cruisers. We have some already, but um, these new ones have some pretty adventurous bonuses on them
0: yeah uh, these were these were some of the first ones that I worked on and the first ships that I started working on. And you know i I had relatively safe uh, boring bonuses on these originally, and I kind of went back and forth and you know, chatted with some some people who I can talk with who had NBA at the time. and I was like, uh, you know, what can we what can we do interesting here and we we slowly started to to flesh it out and I think I think they're I'm I'm really quite happy with them they each feel kind of unique and interesting uh unlike the the frigates it's hard to get like a an across the board niche with the exploration frigates for example with the ballot users and so they were each kind of tuned to be interesting and hopefully hopefully interesting in some area so uh, the probably the most interesting one is the Navy Myrmidon, uh, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah,
1: yes, the uh, the web drone bonus.
0: I know people make fun of it, but I honestly hope to see one day a Navy Myrmidon seeing use as like a fleet support ship uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the Nelsack fleet, where it's just kind of snagging uh, primary targets with webs or something. That would be that would make me feel very happy. Uh, yeah,
1: a couple Navy myrmidons putting webs on somebody's anchor.
0: Yeah, and, and you don't have to use the web bonus either. Like It's there, it's kind of fun and interesting, but it's a good ship even without it. So it definitely will have use regardless. Um, with that one in particular, you'll notice that I really didn't want to give it more drone power, uh, at least in terms of combat drones.
1: Right, not over above the normal drone bonus.
0: Yeah, I, when it comes to tweaking drone ships, I rarely want to make an existing drone ship better at PVE than it already is. Like, remember already been spinning all the time. I didn't want to create another Vex or Navy issue situation. Right. And so I was seeking out bonuses that were more active in other directions.
1: Yeah. And, and the web it makes... was just kind of really fun. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And it kind of makes. You know, like the the thought process behind it, like you know, you get the web drones on, so you get the ship in close, and then you pull the web drones and put out DPS drones while you're in blaster range, kind of a thing.
0: Like, yeah, and that was that was like the overall thought, but it doesn't necessarily have to be used that way. It's no. just kind of a fun way to think of it, or even a mixed flight where you have a flight of drones and you need to slow your target down a little, so you've got like three and then then one heavy web drone or something. Who knows? Like it's very open to to see how people use it
1: yeah, it's um I think the the vulnerability of that is just that the the web drone itself is has some inherent trouble.
0: it does it does maybe one maybe one day in the future I will go and kind of give the web drones themselves a little bit of extra love, you know improve the, the base speed a little bit, maybe improve the HP or something uh, just to make them a little bit more interesting yeah. for people to use. Yeah,
1: and that would actually, you know, given the the now, potentially, given these AT ships, a couple of ships with left drone bonuses in the game, uh, an interesting boost. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I do really like the different bonuses. Um, you know, the Cyclone Fleet issue doesn't have a tank bonus, but it does a ton of damage, and it has a Sig Radius bonus, which is really interesting.
0: Yeah, that one was kind of the, the niche that I was re-aiming for. was kind of a hit-and-run ship uh, on that. Um, yeah. Something that can dive in and do a lot of damage. Uh, and Navy ships all, it might have lost the same bonus, but Navy ships all have a uh, inherent HP increase. So right. It can be relatively tanky, and it makes them quite scary with polarized weapons as well.
1: Right, because they just have the base hit point pool. Yeah, and then sort of the opposite of that, the Ferox Navy issue wants to go in and then just stay there forever because you can fit several shield boosters on it and they all have activation cost reduction. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so that one has just a ton of active tank. uh, And it was really interesting to experiment with a bonus where it wasn't relating to... It wasn't a bonus that that favored Ansel boosters. So Mm -hmm. Ansels get used a lot and with the Fairax, what I was kind of thinking of with the original iteration and then I, of course I talked to Stitch and uh, things were tweaked after that a bit um following a discussion with him as well the what I really wanted was was kind of two things something unique in the same way that the Merm bonus was unique where like uh, this is actually an active favoring bonus uh, and the mm-hmm. And the other thing that I wanted was it to be potentially an interesting choice for PVE. I really wanted to see like, can I make a ship that people will be interested in using for PVE activities that isn't a drone boat? Because God, do we need some of those, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's uh, what so I are of, for. Come on. yeah, yeah. I hope to see it in like level fours uh, in high sec, um, maybe even like ratting out Nelsac or in, in havens or whatever. Just use a bit more. app active activity i'm kind of interested to see where they pop up and i'm slowly watching to to see yeah
1: right and now that i guess we're you know they've just now as of as of tuesday become sort of available in a more general Mm -hmm. way so they haven't really had a chance to spread i will say the 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 fitting reduction uh does allow you to fit four xlasbs on it if you really want to
0: you still have to worry about cap at that point. So uh, you're gonna run out of cap boosters. Yeah. Fast. Yeah,
1: the cargo hold holds you can, enough to though. reload three of them, I think. Not yeah, all
0: so, four. So like yes, but at the same time, like this is it's this not is a saying like you, you can fit it you can fit a torpedo launcher on a on a, a frigate. It's like, yes. So I guess you can do that, but is it really worth it? Yeah. Uh,
1: I think that there will be some mileage out of, like, fitting two.
0: Yeah, fitting two, absolutely. The It was something that there was a lot of stress over at the time when I was working on that one, where I was just trying to make fits where it was broken. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this this is crazy. There has to be a fit in here where this is just absolutely insane and, like, too strong. But I managed to, or, well, I didn't really manage to find one, so it. It okay. It
1: yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's it's super broken, even though you can fit it in that you know sort of excessive way in one direction. It has such limitations, because that you know you can fit that, but you can can't really fit everything else you want without any compromises.
0: Yeah, I think, and maybe this isn't really that much of a concern. Like the one thing I had in my mind is that with a lot of bling, the Pharaohs Navy can become. Really scary uh, in terms of its potential rep power, just kind of mm-hmm. sustained over time. Uh, it almost reminds me of well, I have memories of uh, people coming in marauders or like heavily tanked tangoos to just like bait out fleets that they would then just sit there and tank and laugh at. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it almost feels yeah. like you can get that to that level, but at that point, it's still super susceptible to nukes, it doesn't have T2 and you know, yeah. a lot of the time it's generally it's a battle
1: cruiser, it's not mitigating anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's still relatively vulnerable, even with the, the super strong tank.
1: Yeah. And actually the the ship I find myself most interested in among these um is actually the prophecy navy issue.
0: Yeah, this one was really uh when, when I was working on this one, it was what if? so this is this is kind of silly, but I was like, what if I put an Omen Navy in a castle? And so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's effectively the Omen Navy's bonuses, but it's got a ton of tank and it's quite a bit slower, uh, and yeah. it's got a little bit more range. So it's it's kind of like a really strong Omen Navy. And what I was thinking uh, with the ship in particular is I would love to see fleets of these. Particularly in places like NullSec but because of the range bonus, but also maybe even in uh, wormholes or such, uh, it would be really nice to see some some more yeah. big armor fleets, uh, especially ones that have a lot of HP. And so being just like a big slow brick with good range makes it a very interesting choice for fleets, mm-hmm. and that's really where I would hope to see it shine.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's. It's interesting. It has the hit point bonus that you you know you see on like the damnation, which is known for being a giant block of armor hit points, um, but not mm-hmm. the T two resists, and it has two optimal range bonuses, which means you can shoot, you know, pulse lasers to sixty or seventy kilometers depending on your fit, or beam lasers to far enough that you need something to help you lock. Yeah, it's an interesting interesting ship.
0: So far, it seems to be one of the least used, but that said, we don't have a ton of uh, a ton of data yet. I would love to see some group pick it up and experiment with it and see yeah. if, it, if it does actually have a chance of filling a fleet role somewhere with like a few guardians for support.
1: yeah, it's interesting. I think um in the you know the kind of initial early release you could kind of choose whether you wanted to get a Cyclone or a Prophecy, and a lot of people went Cyclone because it's sort of more directly exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's also probably a little bit more friendly to uh, solo, solo yes. games. Yes. Whereas the Prophecy yeah. feels very fleet-oriented in its design.
1: Yeah, it does. That's true. I I really like the amar Navy color scheme, the black and white. So every ship I see with that on it, like I'm just happy.
0: It is a nice color scheme.
1: It's good. Um, yeah. So these battle cruisers are definitely interesting. For small gang, I, I actually, am curious. At some point, I'm gonna make a, you know, a prophecy navy issue be nano fit. That was Na- like double nano yeah. mjd uh you know i mean it's it has seven lows so you can fit plenty of stuff down there yeah it has four mids so you can you know cap booster application mod prop mjd or point mjd but
0: and
1: then it just flies like a really thick open navy yeah <laughs> yeah really uh maybe more like a a very drone happy oracle.
0: Yeah, that that's also a fair uh, comparison. It's it's very kind of well balanced between the the drones and the lasers, which makes it a little bit interesting, in my opinion. Um,
1: yeah, and I think whereas the, the oracle
0: in the, the navy would be much more laser focused. So. Yes,
1: yes. The having medium being built for medium drones because of the bandwidth, and then having a velocity bonus makes them a lot more usable at longer ranges than heavy drone ships generally.
0: Yeah. And part so. of the thought with the medium drones was that they're tracking up close with lasers might not be great if they're you know, generally set up to shoot long range. Mm-hmm. And so they hit long range with the lasers, but then they can use the drones to help uh, kind of keep themselves safe up close and clear smaller stuff off of them. And that might make them feel kind of well-rounded and pretty fun to Yeah.
1: Did you consider um, any kind of like a drone control range bonus to break the, the Ishtar's monopoly?
0: I didn't, but that is a, a good thought. I'm not sure I'm gonna to get to buffing these anytime soon, but I like it. Well,
1: that's, you know, maybe if no one uses the Prophecy Navy issue for six months, then, yeah, if you know, give it a little, I will keep that little poke. All right, and then, the next step down from these is these destroyers, the first ever navy destroyers, um, which were sort of leaked on a stream a while back.
0: would do you it? I
1: I don't know, but the the bait and switch of that, and then releasing the frigates and battlecruisers first, uh, I appreciated.
0: I, I think I I do, too, because people saw that coming. And they're like, oh, it means that we're getting Navy destroyers. And then they started to doubt themselves. So it mm-hmm. almost like half undid, the, uh, undid the, the leak. But at the same time, it also had people being like, wait, is there more? There must be more.
2: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were also getting the destroyers, right? I heard about destroyers. And yeah, right. that generated enough conversation that it was probably made the leak worthwhile.
1: Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> and these destroyers are kind of a a mixed group. We've got um, one with an E-war bonus, two with tank bonuses, one with a SIG penalty bonus. <laughs> these
0: these are probably more similar to the uh, kind of the, the navy battle cruisers, and the fact that they're very varied. Um, yeah, so they don't. They don't stick to, to like one specific niche. Uh, and part of this is because you know, I wanted each one to find a role. Uh, I didn't have a have like a, an amazing niche for them to fall directly into. I was vaguely experimenting with some very strange bonuses at, at one point, but I needed to actually get on and, and finish my work at some yes. point as well. Uh, yeah, I was doing really weird things, and obviously this is not anything that's going to happen. Uh, but I was like, "What if?" And this is this is based on suggestions suggestion someone gave me. They were like, "What if there was a tiny lance that destroyers could fit?" And I was like, "Ooh, weird." Let me see. <laughs> and I went and started like hacking a lance in order to make it work on destroyers. Uh, it was that a, would be it was a strange, something. It would be AOE something. destroyers. Uh, there's nothing wrong with experimentation
1: <laughs> oh absolutely not that's that's where good ideas come from
0: yeah it was it was an interesting experience at least in terms of trying to figure out how some of this uh, stuff worked so anyway what i eventually landed on was uh similar to the bcs i wanted each one to kind of have interesting potential fleet roles so the Korm navy we wanted it to be kind of similar to the prophecy navy we're like ah this would be a a pretty interesting ship fleet wise and so it kind of retained the, the range bonuses but then we also wanted it to be an interesting choice potentially in the uh, new small complexes the small navy complexes in faction warfare and so i was trying mm-hmm. to to find designs that would kind of satisfy multiple use cases which is why you see some relatively interesting mixed bonuses on these uh, yeah such as the c- catalyst which has uh bonus to mass reduction for armor plates, but then also a repair bonus. Like those are somewhat contradictory things, but they're there to make the ship more flexible in multiple use cases rather than kind of having it generally locked into a standard fit.
1: Right. And the catalyst, you know, notoriously for an armor ship, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of in the standard range for frigates and destroyers, but only has three low slots. So to fit a plate and a repper is a little tight. Just in terms of fitting slots,
0: yeah, it is a bit tight. Um, it, you'll tend to have to choose which bonus of those two that you really want to use, but yeah. the ships are really quite strong, uh, regardless. Um, particularly when viewed in context of the uh, the navy complexes, where they'll be the the apex ship.
1: Right. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that like you know you see both the Thrasher and the Cormorant trading the tracking bonuses for more damage, mm-hmm. and then the cormorant gets this giant ten percent per level to shield boost amount.
0: Yeah, it's basically a tiny harpy. Uh, yeah. tiny <laughs> thought was that it could just like join in on harpy fleets, and oh, that just seems like fun. Uh, yeah, so that might be an interesting place for it. Um, the The reason that you see the tracking bonuses dropped in general, uh, that actually goes back to what to kind of a more original idea that I then just kind of kept rolling with, where I was like, it would be kind of nice if I could shape or create room for like a, a triangle of counters in the the small navy complexes, mm-hmm. where a uh, a navy destroyer would always be a T one destroyer, which would always be like a really good. Uh, frigate, which might be able to be a navy destroyer kind of gotcha a triangle like that i think in reality that's probably not going to play out because they're gonna be uh still be able to apply relatively well small weapons have such good application but it's possible like
1: (laughs) yeah and they're all gun bonus there's no there's no missile iteration
0: And, and that's the reason you don't see very many mid slots added either partly because um if I wanted to add another set of Navy destroyers, like those would be the ones with with a lot of utility and mid slots and less damage uh, gotcha. if I was going to do the Corax and that sort of thing. So it kind of leaves some of that niche open um, whereas these are very offensively focused. they're They're mostly worried about their guns,
1: yeah. interestingly, the you know, like you're saying offensively focused, the corsair gets a bonus to energy neutralizers. Both it hits harder and costs less to turn on, but not to nosses So it doesn't have the self-sustain, which goes along with the you know the armor hit point bonus it has. So it's kind of more of a buffer tanked, shut you off and kill you, and then you know be done with it, rather than trying to rep or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I, I, w- I wanted with these they're they're a little bit experimental, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how they play out and where they start seeing use. Um, but I wanted to leave a fair number of uh, weaknesses, like potential weaknesses open um rather than being just hyper well rounded. That said, they're pretty strong, so uh, most of them are looking pretty interesting. And yeah. The amount of damage that they can put out is just quite crazy uh, compared to their t one variations in some cases. A lot of them are doing four, in the range of four hundred plus dPS
1: right yeah yeah they all have a little bit of a damage bump which i think Mm -hmm. is you know makes sense a little more hit points a little more damage some interesting uh variants i love energy neutralizers in general so i probably have some coercer navies in my future
0: energy neutralizers are pretty great especially when you're uh, playing around in those that bonus is is quite strong the coercer is kind of a monster Yes, (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Courser is already, uh, you know, notoriously high DPS and, and dangerous as a destroyer. Yeah, So the
0: biggest drawback is it still only has those two mid slots. And so it's actually a little bit tricky. Right. Like getting by in Faction Warfare with only two mids is uh, a very difficult position to be in.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
0: that means you, like, if you have, you want MW, or you want your Afterburner, Web, and Scram at the very least. And now you have to pick two of those.
1: Right. And then on a ship that wants to use an energy neutralizer, fires lasers, and then doesn't have room for a cap booster. That's pretty spicy.
0: Yeah, it's pretty spicy. And so it's got some very, like, it's very strong, well-rounded with the the energy needs, and the, the super heavy tank, and the good DPS. But those mid slots are.
1: Right. If someone survives you for a minute, it might get a lot easier for them.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, these are. I mean, I think these are going to be interesting and see a lot of use. Um, and I think the, like you're saying, the the balance of especially these navy plexes in the smaller end are going to be going to be cool to see.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to to kind of monitoring that because there's, I've added so much and so much has been tweaked at this point that there's kind of. A lot of unknowns. You make your theory, and then you kind of have to just watch how it unfolds in the environment. And I'm, I'm doing that already with all of the action warfare updates, and the advantage system, but I'm also watching all of these uh, these new ships and like, oh, what's happening in in the fleet battle reports? Like, how are the hacks doing? Uh, all of that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, definitely. A lot of things to keep track of, um, but there's a you know there's a ton of stuff in this this update, which I think is great.
0: yeah, me too. it's It's nice to have like a a big breath of pressure, I think, particularly in the the fleet metas and stuff, but also the the faction warfare meta like that that hasn't seen a ton of change outside of a few balance changes for quite some time. so having new site restrictions that are kind of shaking things up plus new. Uh, ships that have never been seen before in these situations should hopefully have people you know piecing things together for the next year
1: yeah yeah it's definitely uh cool to see and then the the last set of new navy ships these navy exploration frigates are i mean i i would arguably call them exploration frigates they have a bonus to scan probe strength they can fit have a bonus to fitting probe launchers, have a bonus to relic data analyzers, but like these are combat ships.
0: Yeah, they are combat ships. Arguably, these are probably the favorite, like my personal favorite of the ships that I've worked on so far um, that I've created, partly because I, I feel, and, and this will still, this still has to play out, but it really feels like I managed to find a really interesting and fun niche for these, um, no. which is that kind of middle ground between the Tech 1 Explorers and the Astero where, all right, so it actually does gain some combat potential and it gains the ability to kind of freely fit the expanded probe launcher, which is something that you don't really see, mm-hmm. uh, particularly on the frigate level. And so they kind of have this special position of being able to combat probe and tackle something and be sort of combat effective on their own and probably you know help to pull in allies with their their fleet and stuff Uh, it feels like there's a lot of potential for them and just for explorers who want a little bit more teeth so anistera will think twice about jumping on one of these
1: yeah for sure i would i would definitely be very careful about engaging one of these in an astro um they don't get the covops cloak
0: no that is which their, is a big their trade-off. Trade-off, yes.
1: Um, but some of these bonuses, like the the probe fleet gets twelve and a half per level, so that's sixty uh, percent rate of fire bonus with missiles. No, fifty uh, percent. Fifty twelve and a half. Twelve and a half. I can't do math apparently. It's
0: a sixty-two point five.
1: Sixty-two point five. There you go. I was close-ish the first time. <laughs>
0: yeah, and and the way that rate of fire bonuses scale, that actually makes the probe kind of terrifying, especially when you fit a couple mods to increase your your fire rate. So yeah, the probe becomes really scary.
1: Yeah, that's uh, you know, role-playing auto cannons with your with your light missiles.
0: Yeah, if I have to rebalance any of these and back them down, it's probably that that probe's rate of fire bonus. Yeah, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. The heron also has, I mean, you know, the heron has an enormous thirty percent damage bonus. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, all of these things have relatively large clicking bonuses,
1: yeah, they have quite quite big bonuses, but they have uh, very limited fitting slots to to kind of multiply those bonuses the way a larger ship would have,
0: yeah. so a lot of a lot of the way that I was kind of trying to balance these was I made a big matrix of the uh, tech one ships and the navy ships uh tech one frigates and navy frigates and what i was doing was trying to put these stats wise in between a t1 combat frigate and a navy like one of the existing navy combat frigates so i didn't want them to supersede the comet or the hook mm-hmm. which are really quite potent like they're but they're totally combat focused, because this is bringing additional utility, I wanted to find kind of a middle ground in terms of damage output and survivability and just like general fitting and all of that sort of thing. And so the the actual, um, the way that I tuned all of the guns, uh, let me see if I actually have this uh, chart on hand here. Not the right page. So the way that I tuned all the guns was basically I'm like, all right, so the, the effective number of weapons for each of these ships is uh, about this much. And then, you know, trying to to pull it into that middle zone, which is a relatively narrow gap mm-hmm. to aim for, but I think they've turned out feeling pretty good.
1: Yeah, definitely. And they're definitely more gonna be more expensive than a T1 frigate. And it's nice that they feel like they're in a you know aside from a few like really hard counter spots they're probably gonna beat their equivalent t1 frigate
0: yeah yeah that's that's pretty fair you know and you get the
1: utility of the scanner and everything
0: the pro fleet is definitely the most (laughs) that one has a lot Um, (laughs) the the number of effective weapons on that is about 5.3 and it scales even better because the rate of fire bonus. that was pretty scary The the Heron Navy has about five effective weapons, the magnet Navy has about four, but like it's it's a lot tankier, it's more survivable. They're each, you know, I tried to make each kind of relatively interesting within this, Uh, the Umicus is split, it has a split damage bonus between its guns and its drones. Altogether, it's pretty, pretty terrifying, and drones on the T-1 ship are actually quite scary, so the Umicus Navy might be one of the most terrifying. Of the stat uh, yes, of all of these of all of these stats, like uh, I didn't want them to to get too powerful. so the the hook bill has like six point seven six point seven five effective weapons, which is more than any of these uh, right so we're We're still trying to like shoot that gap in between like if these start like superseding and beating regularly the existing Navy ships, then I might have to, like, tweak things a little. But that's just the way balance. Yeah, it doesn't, is.
1: doesn't seem like they're going to, except, I mean, you know, obviously the, the E-War Navy frigates have their own niche situation.
0: Yeah, I lost my comment to a, a visual, a issue the other day that was painful. Mm.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think he yeah. was super blingy, He was so
1: tanky. Yeah. Yeah, I was... You know, we mentioned earlier the new exploration involvement in faction warfare. I was kind of, I'm kind interested to see if these, because they have the combat probes, they would be quite good at just combat probing someone trying to run the sites, don't even bother scanning the sites, just probe the ship and warp right at them.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you do that in there inside the site, you'll wind up landing in the gate anyway. True. So I'm not sure if that's necessarily faster than these scanning, uh, but they can just like go into a plex normally and, Go to the T1
1: frigate real easily if they want to. Yep. And like I said, we've been using them for tackle in Null Sacks. So an afterburner fit Heron Navy issue can actually tackle a Marauder for a surprisingly long time.
0: Good to know. They've got that nice low sig and they're able to Mm -hmm. land right on the target and you're not like having to do the like. uh, Yeah, there's no burn in. Yeah. (laughs) Or you're not having to do the probe on one alt and then fleet warp your tackle in sort of like dance yeah, that you normally yeah. have to do.
1: Only one person comes into system, so it doesn't look like a big a big spike in local.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing that I was really hoping for with these is that they're a relatively new player-friendly way for new people to learn combat probing is like a general art. Uh, right. Because that tends to be a thing that people don't learn or they learn really late. but if we start seeing these and like Nelsack no standing fleets, it, it does make roaming a little bit scary. But uh, that's <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's it's a way to for people to kind of get more experience in in combat probing, which can be applied to the fleet warfare yeah. really on as well.
1: For sure, and the kind of the next lowest tier of ship that's a likely like both a combat prober and a combat ship is uh probably a tactical destroyer.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and these are going to be a fair bit more affordable than those, so you'll probably see yeah. them as like perhaps a, a something of a go-to combat prover uh, compared to some other ships.
1: hmm Yeah, they're cool, and I um, I guess I forgot to mention it when we were talking about destroyers. These guys are just kind of the the frigates are you know new new paint job, but not new model. Uh, mm-hmm. But the destroyers also do have new models.
0: Yeah, and they're looking pretty good too. Particularly like the the red lights on the canvas. It looks pretty great.
1: Yes. Yeah, I really some of the more recent updates with lighting effects and things are um, super cool.
0: I'm just logging in for the first time into one of those new hangers. It's like whoa, pretty stunning.
1: What is happening? Um, the other, I mean, the 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 most dramatic. Change for many Eve players in this patch is going to be this the Munin full redo.
0: Yes, that one is pretty dramatic. I was honestly a bit I was I was really nervous when people were first starting to see that when I put out the the notification on the or the the forum post and the Reddit post. Uh, I was I was worried that I was going to attract the ire of the the big null blocks. Would would fall upon me, um, mm. but honestly, I mostly what I've what I've sensed is relief.
1: Um, yeah, I think <laughs> I think I think everyone's tired of flying munins.
0: Yeah, so it was it was well timed in that regard. Uh, the munins were a little bit too dominant for too long, um, but it wasn't really just the munin. I I also had my eyes on the eagle and the cerberus in effectively equal amounts. Because just spending a lot of time reading the battle reports and watching videos of NullSec fleet fights, Mm -hmm. those were by far the big dominant offenders.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it seems like those three were kind of the the ships. And some of them countered other ones a little better. So maybe you brought one of them, depending on which other one the other side was bringing. But But there's no room for anything
0: else. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I think what was particularly a thing that people are happy to see change is that the uh, hacks in general are very uh, risk averse in a sense. Like it's real easy to to engage with hacks, start getting kills, and then if things don't look like they're going your way, you just leave. Mm-hmm. Because they're fighting at such extreme ranges. They have such low sig. They have such good speed that like, bubbles don't matter. You're, they're rarely in range of your Huguen if they're, if they're not incompetent. And they're, they're just able to alpha ships off the field. Like, they, were, they were a little too good at everything. So this is something that I've had on my mind for quite a while. Is that I really... I wanted to introduce a little bit more nuance to this area of the game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And in particular having thought about it for, I don't know, two years or something, uh, it was the range that I really wanted to tackle. So that was the, the thing that I was primarily after, um, was reducing the range of the Munin Eagle and uh, Cerberus.
1: Yeah. And you definitely did that. Um, <laughs> did no, more than no that. No doubt. A yeah. So Munin when I went Fully to- missile hack, no range bonuses. Like wants to be an armor brawler now instead of a shield-kiting sniper.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the reason that happened was I actually really didn't want to do that at the start. Um, I started to work on Immunin, and every change that I made just had it feeling unfun. It's really difficult to balance it in such a way that it didn't feel like it was wasn't still going to be the right choice for fleets sure. in most cases, without also making it effectively useless in every other area of the game. Right. So,
1: or, or without just making it into also a vagabond.
0: Or also a vagabond, and I I could just make it into also a vagabond, but well, we, already, we have vagabond. already have
2: a vagabond.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: And the vagabond's healthy. Like it, if you look at the the list of hacks, nobody really complains about the vagabond meta. Um, no, because it doesn't have that that range bonus, which is so so powerful in free fights. So yeah, after a lot of back and forth and talking with a number of of uh, community members and people that I trust, and uh, I was like, all right, can't can't make this work, uh, and I just said. I will, I will make it a missile ship uh, and so the Munin oh. became a missile burn uh, with no range bonuses. but honestly it still feels like it could be really fun which is which is the, the goal of this is to take the Munin make sure that it's still fun and entertaining to fly and it still has a place in the game but also to kind of address the uh, meta issues that it was bringing uh, previously yeah and so at this point it's super fast, it's nice and tanky. It's got really good damage output. it's got nice application. like it, all around it feels like it'll be a really fun ship to fly still. Um, and it has a niche compared to the sacrilege, whereas the sacrilege is kind of similar in terms of its bonuses. This is much faster and it has a right. much more flexible tank. so I think you know i'm I'm pretty happy with where it's landed, and I think it'll be pretty fun,
1: yeah, I'm definitely gonna. You know, see what it looks like to move. I, I've been flying ham serbs with Hydra implants for a while now. Uh, so thank you for leaving the ham range bonus on there because
0: the hands were you you only so made it better for colonized. me. That's perfect. The serb the in particular was another interesting one because it was often, you know, it could project like 170 kilometers with heavy missiles. And I was, yeah. as I was looking over battle reports and Nalsuk and fleets, it was like, Almost every fleet was there were Munins, there were Serbs with heavy missiles, and there were Eagles with rails. Yeah. And so, the, with the Serb, kind of the same thing. Like, I want it to be interesting and fun and kind of skirmishy, and like it feels like a, a fun ship to like brawl into a fight with. Um, mm-hmm. But hands weren't the issue. <laughs> I, had right. no, I had no fight with hands. So, I just could leave that as is, let it be kind of the premier hand projector. It's a very yeah. strange thing to say.
1: <laughs> it is a little bit, but it's true. And it's a lot yeah. of fun.
0: It, I hope so. So I think I'm pretty happy with with where those ships have landed uh, in particular. I think the yeah. Eagle was one of the, the tougher ones. So with the Eagle, I was thinking about kind of making it like a closer, more similar to like a Blaster Vagabond. Still have some range. It's kind of a, a mid-range skirmisher. Um, but that was another one, kind of like the mutant, where it was a little bit tricky to uh, to get it just right. And mm-hmm. as as we were getting closer to release, I was hearing a lot of chatter from the Null Blocks being like, oh, we're just all going to Eagle Doctrines, which is why you see that really harsh <laughs> speed uh, hit right before release. Yeah. I'm like, all right, fine. You can still snipe with this, and it's still really tanky uh but you no longer have the benefit of speed so it doesn't have nearly the same range it's got better application it should actually feel pretty good but it's actually now more similar in play to the to like the prophecy navy issue when it's right plate fit where it's a little bit more stationary it's kind of slow but it has good range good tracking good tank and so it should still have some strengths but it very clearly has weaknesses
1: yeah, it's, um, where it is now kind of reminds me of like, Feroxes to some extent. Um, yeah. So obviously is it's gonna tank, take over. tank a little better. I don't know, I think I think Feroxes take over, we'll start seeing battleship counters to Feroxes.
0: Which is perfect. So which, that's kind great. of the way that I'm expecting the meta to develop is. We'll see hurricanes, and then we'll see fairaxes that kind of counter the hurricanes. And then we're going to start pe- seeing people break out more battleship fleets because a lot of people are like, "Oh, we're just going to go back to the battleship meta because they have, you know, that long-range projection. Mm-hmm. But I think what's being missed is that the uh, the battleships received those uh, really beefy buffer uh, roll yeah. bonuses about a year ago
1: yeah a little over a year ago now
0: yeah yeah a little over a year ago that was one of the first things i did um, and so they're they're getting those those really beefy uh, bonuses which is going to make them a lot more survivable yeah. against those fleets and they battleships also have really good or applica- er, uh, protection in a lot mm-hmm. of cases
1: and feroxes are big enough that they'll get hit yeah exactly For sure
0: so hopefully We'll see a really diverse meta that will take a you know a few years to shake out or something. Yeah, but this isn't the last balance change either. So.
1: No, of course. I'm you know I'm one of the the many people who's on the more balance changes more often team. So
0: <laughs> I'm on the I'm, I'm on the six month team personally. Six months. Okay. Six months feels like a really good a good uh, rate to kind of flow with because Eve is a thing even a machine that takes some time to turn over.
1: Right. People have to change their supplies, change their skill training, rearrange, you know, first they have to figure out what they're doing next, and then they have to implement it. And then you want to give them some room to use it before you change it on them again.
0: And people have very different speeds, especially null blocks are really slow to adopt and adjust to this sort of thing, where it's like small games and solo pilots tend to be really fast at it. And so you often see this curve where like a balance change happens. The early adopters start making really good use of it. And it takes some time for the other people to realize that they should probably hop on board that train and stop trying to make their thing work against it. Right. And then, it, at least in, in my personal experience, I've seen this, you know, this kind of trend takes about six months. Um, and in the six-month point, people kind of realize what the meta is. They start adjusting to it and start making some use of it. If you change it too fast, and you leave too many people behind, then they just get frustrated. You know, they're like, "Right, that, yes. I thought we almost had it figured out, and now you've changed it on this again." If you change it too slowly, then we have exactly what happened.
1: Yes, fortunately, there's a there's a lot of space between too fast and Munins are the go-to for <laughs> five years or whatever.
0: There is a lot of space. I I think we're we found the the long point, um, and we've probably yep. found the short point. There were. There were times during the uh, the previous couple of years where there were a lot of back-to-back balance changes, and people were almost getting tired of it. Like, oh my god, mm-hmm. slow down a little bit, which is good to know. Um, so it's it's somewhere in there. I think the the six-month point feels pretty healthy.
1: Yeah, and if that becomes a you know fairly steady thing, I think it'll also help. Uh, people feel good about like, you know, maybe this current meta isn't isn't something that I find super fun, but like, I I can have faith that it's gonna be, you know, changed and also changed within a time frame where like I can put up with this for now.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, the couple of battle reports that I've seen so far seem to show people people are trying trying People have had for years, but people are sort of going back to nightmares and mm-hmm. uh, command ships, interestingly,
0: command ships make sense, especially with the nightmare uh, being so uh, the, the night the nighthawk uh, nighthawks being like so potent right now, yes, um, that that makes a lot of sense. And I could see like vultures is, as as mm-hmm.
1: vultures and um I think sentry Eoses are going to have a place,
0: yeah. I saw that battle report of. Uh, Brave getting wrecked by a bunch of sentry eoses uh, with their yeah. with their Munin insert fleet, yeah, so,
2: the,
0: I was set that, and I was told two things. you've congratulations. you've officially killed the hack meta, and you also killed Brave, which is relatively <laughs>
1: <interesting>. <laughs> I, f- I feel like they'll they'll probably have more than one fleet in them before they give up.
0: They have a lot to burn through, uh, yeah
1: a lot of mutants to get rid of
0: yeah a lot of these null second lines um, and this is good because this is what i what i was really hoping for they're they're keeping the uh a lot of these ships kind of around as doctrines particularly as like ess response and that sort of thing so they still have use mm-hmm. they i didn't just like nullify all of these things they had put work into making they're still useful and interesting Yeah,
1: tweak the fitting a little bit, do something, Mm -hmm. do a different plan. You know, there's, I, there's some concern about Ishtars, you know, because they don't actually need to lock, so they can still kind of snipe, but there's, I think enough counters to that with bombers and other things that it's, I don't think that's going to become dominant, even in the way it at one point was.
0: No, I'm not overly concerned about it just because we haven't seen it much at this point and. In a way, I don't want to start solving problems that we haven't seen yet. Like it, I don't want to see another hack come in and take their place, which is partly why all of the hacks outside of uh, the ones that got the most attention were received like small balance changes to pull in their mm-hmm. range, just to kind of act as insurance effectively against another hack rising to take their place too easily.. Uh, yeah, but, but the, you want to
1: undeservedly yeah. nerf them just no. in case.
0: And I didn't and I didn't want to hit like the ishtar too hard, especially when we had just updated the DBS values and people want to be like out ratting. That would have driven them crazy.
1: Yeah. Well I don't think uh I don't think lock range has a whole lot to do with Ishtar ratting, frankly.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's true.
1: I think they'll be okay.
0: I think they'll be fine.
1: Cool. And then a bunch of Navy ships got tweaks. Some of the you know the perennial worst in class uh contenders.
0: Yeah. We basically made a list of what are the worst Navy ships. Uh and we tried to make them cool.
1: Yeah. I I kinda like where the Navy Dominics landed in the end. It's now good. good. You know, it's it's in a good spot. It like you can't quite you don't have quite the fitting ease you have on some of the kind of equivalent ships, like um, like if you're going for a blaster ship, like a Hyperion, or even yeah. on, like a Mega Navy. But
0: Hyperion's almost problematic in terms of comparison; like it's just so overtuned it's really hard to, hit, does... to make things.
1: It does. It has quite strong base stats, like its capacitor and speed, and like some of those things are are very good. Um, but the Domix Navy now with heavy drones and blasters. Out is it by a you know a noticeable margin. Yeah. So even if you can't like get quite the same mega dual rep tank, you can you can still be a little better in a different way. And actually, with the updated power grid, you can you can build a buffer rail sentry fit that isn't um, isn't totally awful. Fantastic. I've-
0: that one, it was it was too easy to to sit and be like do direct comparisons to the Hyperion. Um, and I kind of hit a point where I'm like, all right, look, I'm not going to attempt to to continue to right. compete on tank. Like it's just, it just feels futile. It feels like I'm gonna make it too broken. Um, and it's really strong, admittedly, now. But yeah, I I am pretty happy with where it landed. I think it feels uh pretty good. I went through a couple iterations. You saw the Kind of the original pitch when I when I first made the thing public, and then we're like, ah, it's still it's still not it still kind of feels bad compared to the Hyperion. So I'm like, all right, so let's just like throw out some extra damage. So it's just clearly got there.
1: yeah, has a little bit of a a niche. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and it's it's you know it's good that it has like it's it should be more utility focused, I think, because it has you know two more mid slots.
0: And the drones provide like an interesting sort of utility that people sometimes don't think about. They're just looking at the damage numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But especially when it comes to clearing tackle or something, like drones allow you to do some things that just appear blaster built like the Hyperion cannot. And there's some hidden value in that that's a little bit harder to put numbers on.
1: Yeah. And I think part of that, you know, part of that equation is that the Hyperion, like we were saying about the, the base stats of the Hyperion, it can field a full flight of heavy drones, too. They're not bonused, but like it also, also, also has that.
0: Yeah. It's, the Hyperion is just kind of ridiculous ship. We're not at any point in the game right now where I would feel good nerfing a battleship. So sure. I'm probably not going to yes. touch it at the moment. But um, Marauder's aside, but... Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not going to touch the Hyperion for the time being. Um, if we ever get to a battleship meta, and yeah, I don't know, and, and we feel like there's nothing more important than maybe, maybe I can do some readjustment there. The, yeah, there's a lot of people who really want to see that Roke uh, get a little bit of love. Uh, I don't <laughs> yeah, know, I it think... really needs it, but it, people really like that model. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, they do. They do. And they want a they want a Kaldari gun battleship to be good.
0: Fair. That's fair. I, I wouldn't be against buffing the rook.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the Hyperion it's it's good, but it's good in ways that are like, you know, make it the best solo brawling battleship, which is not like a use case pool where it's dramatically affecting metas in a large way.
0: No, no, it, it the mostly it can just feel a little bit limiting when in like very niche circumstances, such as the, uh, and even in the ESS meta, like it has such clear counters there that it's not right. probably that big of a deal uh, in the large Navy complexes. Like you can bring other stuff that aren't battleships. Part of the problem is it just does so well against many other T1 battleships and even Navy right. battleships that can be a too.
1: Yeah, it. if you just look at a direct number comparison, it looks quite good, but it does definitely have more vulnerabilities than marauders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to have more vulnerabilities than marauders.
1: It's, that's true.
0: Which, so on, on the topic of marauders. Um, yes. Now is also in the same way that I say that now is not the time to nurse the hippies now is also not the time to nurse uh, Marauders.
1: Yeah, I know. I just, if we could just make Vargas not be able to comfortably fit three XLASBs, that would go a long way.
0: <laughs> I, I think there's room to introduce like a little bit more variety and weaknesses. In- in Marauders that kind of complement the strengths in, in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. I think in general, changes to them would be pretty light. But yeah. it's also, it's, it's nothing that I'm looking at immediately. Like, we'll see what the meta looks like in six months or a year from now. Um, and then we can kind of adjust things further from that point. Uh, but I don't, the, the flip side of this is that Marauders feel really good. So there's a lot of people really enjoying marauders in their current place in their in the ecosystem as like the pinnacle sub-capital ship, which they kind of yeah. feel like that's that's definitely their place. Um that doesn't mean, however, that we can't try to leave them there in that that sort of pinnacle position. Yeah. But also adjust their their PvP effectiveness in particular to make them like a little bit more fun to play around. So there's some exploration to be done there.
1: It definitely feels good to be like, oh, i this is the best at this. And I'm just like super dominant in this role. But mm-hmm. they're, it feels like they're dominant to a point where, you know, unless you are using a Blop's jump drive, there's not a really strong argument for flying another battleship aside from price, and even that's not that strong of an argument at the moment. I
0: would, I would like to see a lot of the balance. these be in the price uh, department more than the balance department so to speak
2: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) part of the problem is that t2 prices uh, have continued to come down for the last year uh, and it's it's starting to make them weirdly economically viable perhaps more than a marauder should be
1: yeah Uh, you can you can fit a decent fit on them you know not very blingy but like the ones my corp has a bunch that we just use when someone else brings a Marauder to kill those Marauders. Mm-hmm. And they're all basically T2 fit, and they're like 1.2 bill. Total. What I'd
0: really like to see is the, the gap between Marauders and Dreadnoughts narrow a bit, and I think this would mm-hmm. really make them feel better. So if, yeah. if, if Dreadnoughts came down a bit in price and Marauders went up a bit in price, then all of a sudden like, the dreadnought starts becoming an interesting alternative option. There's a, there's a certain sweet spot in there where the, where the dreadnought is an interesting alternative option where it might actually be better for certain PVE activities. And the marauder is like, you know, what what exactly do you want to use this for? But right, right. now, with the way things are priced, it's, there's no reason to use a, a dread over a marauder.
1: No, not in in most circumstances. It's outside of a dread bomb, basically. Outside
0: of a dread bomb, exactly. Or a, yeah. a crop site.
1: So... Going back to these Navy cruisers for a second, I am super excited about this exec Navy update.
0: Yeah, me too. Of of all of the the ship changes, the exec Navy is is looking pretty fantastic. Uh, The Caracal Navy is actually usable, so that's- Yeah,
1: that's a big step in the right direction.
0: (laughs) Uh, Which is, it it feels like it probably should have felt, uh, I guess, compared to other ships. But the exec Navy is probably the most exciting of them. I yeah. Really look forward to, to fitting up one of those and probably just like rolling out of a wormhole with it.
1: Yeah, it's um you know, having the utility newt for brawling or utility high, I guess, but probably it's gonna be a newt. And then having the speed and the plate mass penalty reduction and the fitting room now that it's down to four guns to do a mm-hmm. kiting railgun fit just feels feels great.
0: It's I, I really hope it feels good. I kind of hope it feels like a, you know, a Navy issue type of, type of good. Yeah. The, I really love the armor plate mass reduction bonuses. I'd like to just start spreading that love to, to Galenti ships mm-hmm. in general when I touch them because it's just kind of a, there's a paradigm that feels like it should have been there. That's not necessarily where Amar ships are kind of thick and heavy and slow. When they're armored tanks, but then Galenti ships by comparison are uh, a little bit more agile and active tanks. But in reality, it and turns out that a lot of, yeah, and often faster. But in reality, it often turns out that the Galenti are like a bit too slow to make that feel like a, a good comparison. So,
1: yeah. yeah that a lot of, way of saying
0: you had like that bonus.
1: Yeah, it's a good bonus. Um, and I think. You know it'll it'll feel a little bit less like your only choice with an exec navy is full commit yeah um, with the extended fall off bonus and um all that even with with blasters you can still hit out to like t2 point range not not a huge amount of damage but enough to like make someone pay attention to it yeah
0: and with blasters it'll it'll probably be okay uh, yeah i hope it's also quite fast now as well. the the base speed increase is pretty potent,
1: yes. And lest we forget the most important change in this update, the Proteus is no longer the slowest cruiser in Eve.
0: honestly, that one was was pure frustration. I was just, just stop messaging me. I know it's slow to like the, <laughs> the six people who would like remind enough. me enough yeah
1: enough it's not slow anymore it's not, it's not you know it's not it's not the fastest cruiser by any stretch, but it's no longer you know competing with the enforcer for slowest,
0: yeah, which I hope it sees some use um, and at the same time we were so much of the focus here was on making sure that the hack meta dissolved that I'm willing to take on a little bit of risk of seeing the uh, pretty suites make a bit of a comeback, but I don't think that's. A thing that would be unwelcome. at the same Yeah, time.
1: it would at least be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't. I'm not sure that we're going to see that even with it a little faster.
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, it's still like 230 compared to, it might be exact, maybe at 280 base speed. Yeah, it's still not that fast compared to a lot of a lot of ships. Um, the the speed is relatively reasonable. Uh, mm-hmm. This is just kind of like the opposite of the thing that it did to the evil.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, in some cases, T3Cs don't make ideal fleet ships in a large scale because so much of their, uh, you know, their power is kind of tied up in the heat bonuses, and you know, mass heating in in large fleets is not always a safe choice, depending on your group.
0: No, I mean, they used to be, there was a point in time where they were very dominant, which is partly what led up to the Proteus being in its current state. So there mm-hmm. was a time in Nullstack where they were projecting 110 kilometers with decent speed with a 1600 millimeter plate, 150 years, like 1,000
1: I flew lodgy for some of those fleets once yeah. upon a time when so I lived in Nullstack.
0: It was a time, basically the Proteus uh, was in the position that the Munin was in now. And right. So there's just kind of like this life cycle of. You know, people get desperate for change. Change comes, and then sometimes you have to kind of slowly find a new a new place for the ship that was uh, pulled down. Yes,
1: but this isn't the, even even with the speed increase. You know, there's also been a full hack rebalance since then. We've gone from five subsystems to four, and like it's, I don't think. We're going to go straight back to that. Even if no, the Proteus no. is now capable of something like v- similar, it would take a lot. It was one of those cases like the Munin where it just had the just enough speed, just enough tank, just enough projection, like checked all the boxes.
0: Yeah. And I don't think it's going to have the, it, it's nowhere near like the speed and projection still that the Munin right. was at or the eagle the insert. Uh, it's... But it, that said, it does have really nice damage. Does really nice tank. It's now got okay speed. Um, yeah. It's gonna lack the alpha generally, however. So that was really what made the Munin super dominant of the of the set of hacks that we really wanted to adjust is the fact that you only needed what was what was math. If you have more than forty people, bring Munins. If you have less than that, then you bring speeds or whatever.
1: Right. The so the break point at which you volley a hack. Volley basically. another Munin. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Well, I think all these changes, you know, like I said, change I'm I'm a fan of change in general and I think a lot of these changes are in a direction that's healthy for the game and interesting for me personally in my play and I think a lot of them, you know, even beyond that are going to be interesting for even for NoBlox because they they too, you know, are a little bit you know, feel like feeling like the meta is solved, and there's no way to like pull the wool over someone's eyes with something they haven't seen before.
0: I've had a few null you know. FCs who who have messaged me since I, I published these changes that were basically like, "Oh, thank you. <laughs> we were really getting bored."
1: Let's um, see. Great.
0: So I think I think especially for FCs and null, this is hopefully uh, will lead to some more interesting and engaging times.
1: Yeah, I imagine you know I have never fc large block fleets, but I imagine if you have more complicated instructions and maneuvering to do than everyone anchor on me, we're gonna burn left and shoot. Like that must be more. Well, maybe like the
0: meta decisions of what ships to sure. bring. Right? Yeah, uh, and and you'll be able to get more satisfying fights out of it, hopefully. So if if we see a move towards larger ships in the meta, which are a bit slower then all of a sudden victor's more impactful and you're more able to like web down and lock down and bubble down your targets and you're able to like get more satisfying victories out of it. Mm -hmm. That would be just good overall. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be great. That's like you said earlier, the one of the downsides of this hack meta is that you never really see a fleet wiped out.
0: Yeah. the, The losses were just not there because they're engaging it such extreme ranges with such good uh, speed that they were they were real they could punch you really well and be very safe at doing it which made, made it effectively the only optimal choice
1: right and then you know even if you're trying to get tackle in on them they're all still using medium guns which you know when you've got 200 of them are gonna kill a dictator for sure
0: Exactly. So even harder to to get down. And even if you got bubbled, like they can shrug because we'll be out of the bubble in two seconds.
1: Right. Right. Because they're they're also also fast. Yes. <laughs> well, these are changes are awesome. Obviously, I hope everything continues to to look up with the faction warfare stuff, and that these, you know, this continued attention and iteration through these next couple of weeks is, uh, you know, makes it feel really good.
0: I hope so. So I hope you guys have fun. Uh, there's a there's a lot to kind of explore. I'll be busy over the next few days kind of in Jackson warfare flexes, certainly. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe getting back into wormholes.
1: Yep. Well, I think the next uh, week or so, uh, well, maybe just tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I'll be fully in AT mode. Um, but I definitely am planning to check out the new faction warfare stuff after that.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Good luck. I almost forgot about the U T already. I already <laughs>
1: yeah. It seems like you've uh, you're less less taking the lead on that this year. I mean, I know CCB Zelos is kind of the main.
0: Um, yeah. Thankful. Voice. I'm, I'm super thankful for uh, that he's been brought on board because he's saved me from having to try and manage too much at once. I'm still managing too much at once, but. At least most of that's entirely yep. my fault. Uh, the the AT stuff I've been helping with kind of behind the scenes, uh, I've been doing the I did some of like the code updates for this current AT, a lot of the rules that were put in that are new, um, I've been doing behind the scenes. But in terms of all of the organization, which is super time-consuming, uh, Zealous has been an absolute hero on that.
1: Yeah, and he's been. Quite responsive and communicative with us as teams and everything too, which has been really nice. Excellent. So it'll be fun. Lots of stuff's going to blow up.
0: <laughs> Can't wait to see it. Um, we'll we'll see what what is the first team that will bring really a dominic's navy.
1: I I'm inter- I'm I'm curious to see who will bring the munin ham rush.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: You know. Mm-hmm. I think some someone's going to at some point.
0: Serve might actually be interesting with him.
1: Yeah, yeah, it suffers a little bit less than some of the other shield rush uh, ships from the, you know, if, if it's sh- a ship gets screened off, its DPS just ceases to exist because mm-hmm. it has that range bonus. So could be good. I think it's going to be a little bit of a hole in the rapid light kiting comp scene, but we'll all find out tomorrow, I guess.
0: We will indeed. I look forward to, to seeing where this meta goes because I feel like almost nobody knows at this point.
1: No, and I think I mean I. I don't necessarily love that as a team theory crafter, but I, as a person who, enjoys seeing people come up with cool shit in Eve, it's great.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I understand that. Like I both feel sorry about the timing and the the amount of changes that are that are hitting. Uh, While at the same time, part of me is really looking forward to seeing how people adapt to it. Because in a way, every team has the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, we all had the same information at the same times, you know, Mm -hmm. if we were paying attention. So I don't think it really, you know, skews it too hard towards one team or another. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it definitely will reward the people who are thinking on their feet a little bit more.
0: It will, it'll be very entertaining to watch. And it will be interesting to see if anybody makes use of some of these changes to kind of pull out some surprise tricks.
1: For sure. All right, I think we are coming up on longest episode ever territory here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot to cover in fairness.
1: Yes, quite a lot in this update. Um, Do you have a shout out for us today?
0: Uh, Shout out to CCP Zealous for being an absolute hero and making uh, and with managing the AT and making sure that I have been able to to work on my other stuff as well.
1: Awesome, yeah. I'm gonna shout out my my AT team, particularly our captain Ovix, who have uh, just been a real pleasure to play with. You know, even when things get a little contentious. Uh, As we disagree about tactics and things, um, they've all shown up in good spirits and with goodwill, and I really have enjoyed flying with them. And I think that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, fly dangerous. And remember, it's not the size of your gang.
0: It's how you use it.